Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. I'm Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson today. Alongside of me is Brant Daughtry, and we're pleased to be with you here on a beautiful Thursday afternoon on the Plains as uh, we have a lot to talk about. We were going to do a kind of different show today and, and really preview a lot of college football items, and now we are going to talk a little bit how we've been doing the last several days about a little bit of everything including the big news from Auburn today that TJ Finley was arrested this morning um, and uh, a, a pretty much a situation where he was originally in trouble for getting a, uh, a citation for not wearing a helmet on a moped and then left the situation, f- fleed, and um, that was where the arrest was going to take place. He then turned himself in and is now free. Uh, he is not in police custody anymore, posted bond, or posted bail, rather, and uh, he is now with the team, to our understanding. He's back on campus. So uh, a situation we will talk about, we'll answer your questions about at 334-887-3401 locally and toll-free 888 tiger 9 But T.J. Finley, arrested earlier today, is now out of police custody, custody, excuse me, custody, and is now uh, back on campus. So a, a situation to talk about, but uh, a situation that, I think initially could have been a lot worse uh, once you just hear the words uh, Auburn quarterback arrested. But we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. We'll also have birthdays and sports, as we always do. We'll take all your phone calls. Uh, we'll talk some Braves as they get ready for another series against the New York Mets starting tonight, five games in four days. That's a huge one. We'll preview that. The NFL is back in a preseason variety. The Hall of Fame game between the Las Vegas Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars is tonight. So we'll talk a little NFL. And then we have time as well. We'll do kind of a mini version of what we were going to do. We're going to do a big uh, bombardment of college football superlatives. as a show that we did around this time last year, a little closer to the season, though. Uh, We'll do a mini version of that. We'll have some Auburn football superlatives if we have time in the final hour. So we're going to hit on a little bit of everything today. Ryan and Brant with you on this Thursday afternoon. Brant, I hope you are doing well, sir. I am doing pretty well, uh, all things considered. Had a little... You know, car little, trouble, little, yeah, little car trouble. But uh, I, I think we've, I think we've uh, found a, a workaround, perhaps. But I uh, still don't know, and you know, it's going to be a frustrating, eh, probably the next day. But um, you know, uh, other than that, doing pretty good. Certainly having a better day than we, I think we all think that T.J. Finley had. Uh, it's never good when you wake up and hear that there's a warrant out for your arrest. But uh, 
you know, I, I think you, I think you said it the right way when you said it, this situation could have been a lot worse. Um, certainly, it is going to get blown out of proportion because the headlines all read Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley arrested, um, and and that's going to be the headline. And I'm sure we're going to hear some panic today. But you know, T.J. was back with the team today. Uh, he practiced this morning uh, after posting uh, bail, like you said. And so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, everything works out there. Um, Probably just a mistake and, and not even a, a stupid one or not even a big time mistake, just a little one. And, uh, you know, TJ, it looks like, has handled that business himself. And, uh, of course, more prop, uh, all, all, all the credit in the world to him for handling this in what seems like the mature way. And hopefully that this, this is, uh, becomes a non story after today. Yeah, it is something that we will talk about. And uh, we'll go ahead and give some more details on that right now as I'm sure everyone is either hearing this for the first time and wants to know all about it or uh, has heard it and has turned to, to get some thoughts on the matter. Uh, look, this is a situation it is never like a normal good thing to be arrested, uh, to be clear. Um, <laughs> yes. There was a mistake made. However, I think the good news is that it was not a mistake that uh, – warrants any sort of great discipline uh it is not a brawl outside of sky bar as we have seen uh before <laughs> it is not a brawl in practice it's uh, not a public intoxication right. or is, a driving drunk or anything right like that. it's not a possession of marijuana it's nothing nothing that criminal is going to be a, an issue going forward and uh certainly the headline is going to be grabbing to some and there's going to be probably unwarranted attacks on character and that sort of thing, uh, just off reading the words "arrested." Again, I'm not condone. I'm not saying go out there and test your luck and see what kind of <laughs> very small offense you can get you behind bars. But um, clearly, a mistake was made here. But if you want to look at implications, I don't think there are any for Auburn football. I don't think this means he's not in the quarterback race. It's not going to warrant a suspension, I wouldn't think. Um, maybe maybe it would for like a half. I don't know. But it's not going to be some team-threatening exercise here where you have to make a really hefty decision here. And so uh, the reality is, is that when you first hear the word Auburn quarterback arrested, uh, you're – mind goes into a lot of darker places that ultimately this situation went into. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's what I saw at first. I saw Auburn quarterback TJ Finley in police custody and I was like, well, crap, what did the kid do? You know, and then more details broke. And uh, for anybody who's not aware, he was caught uh, on a moped without a helmet somewhere around Auburn, which is a, a minor traffic violation. Um, and then was charged with eluding police or, or attempting to elude police. So uh, really not sure what the details are as far as that part goes. But uh, I, I definitely think um, things could have been worse. When he uh, he turned himself in this morning when he learned that there was a, an arrest warrant out for him. So as we said, it seems like he handled this as best as he possibly could. He is now out. He is a free man and uh, has uh, – you know, like we said, he practiced today, so this is not a major lingering issue. But uh, you know, hopefully, he learns from this moving forward. And like Ryan said, we're certainly not condoning anything. We're not trying to make light of of uh, being arrested or you know traffic violations or anything like that. Just saying, from the the grand scheme of Auburn football, I don't see this impacting very much. Yeah, uh, you know, 
obviously, this is a guy that uh, entering the spring would have been uh, the favorite to become the starting quarterback full-time this year for Auburn. Uh, I think that that narrative kind of shifted throughout the summer um, when Zach Calzada got on the camp. And even though he has been injured for the spring portion of it, I think Zach Calzada has impressed a lot of people to the point where he is he is now the favorite to be the starting quarterback. So, again, I don't know how much this impacts this because I think that Calzada might be leading the way anyway. And I think that this will not – prevent Finley from still auditioning for the job. I don't think that this puts him behind anybody else. Just simply put, uh, it's a disappointing thing to have to talk about and a disappointing and regrettable situation. But again, if you're looking for something very... Um, I, I, I don't know what the right word for If you're looking for something concretely bad yeah, about this, uh, then you're not going to find it with this because I don't think there's going to be a big suspension coming. I don't think there's going to be any deep conversations about getting dismissed from the team or anything like that. So I, I think I don't want to call it a nothing burger because, again, we want it, we're kind of playing both sides here. You can't just go out and get arrested. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a recommended thing to do. Uh, but at the same time, we have heard almost every single year of an arrest worse than this around a college campus. Um, and, and so... Again, we're going to, of course, answer any and all questions and concerns, but is this something that really shifts the dynamic of T.J. Finley's time at Auburn? Don't see it that way. No, me neither. Me neither. I, I still, I'm with you. I think Zach Calzada was going to be the starting quarterback anyway. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a situation where if you're Brian Harson, you call T.J. Finley in, you have like a, a five-minute chat with him and say, like, hey, man, just don't let this happen again you know just be more careful um and and you know you you move on from there and like you said this is not going to affect tj's ability to battle for that starting job and if he has improved and he is worthy of that starting job i still think he'll get it even though i'm with you i think it's going to be calzada we'll go ahead and take our first break of the show today on the other side we'll start to hear your phone calls your thoughts about it. retired ward mc will join us on the auburn bank phone line on the other side of this first timeout Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome 
Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is Sports Call Auburn here on this Thursday afternoon. Nothing to see here on this Thursday. Absolutely nothing at all. As we uh, get ready to start, we are starting fall camp now. And uh, it's the time of year where we start to get the questions answered as far as quarterback battles, position battles, and uh, we start to see really what the true depth chart is going to look like after months of speculation. And uh, unfortunately, if you're just joining us, the news of the day that one of those depth chart battles uh, sees a player involved in an arrest. That is TJ Finley, who was arrested earlier today, turned himself in after fleeing what was just going to be a, a normal kind of citation stop for not wearing a helmet while driving a moped, which is how does it's a ticky tack call, Raph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, it is the law. How and uh, we're not. How does TJ fit onto a moped anyway? I don't it's know. A big dude. I don't know. It's got to be a strong moped. It's a big moped. Uh, um, but uh, <laughs> so then fleed, and that's where we had the issue. A warrant was going to be out for his arrest. He turned himself in, got that taken care of, made bail. He's out. He's with the team now, and uh, that's kind of the main details there of it let's uh let's go to our auburn bank phone line 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine and joining us for the first time today ward damn steve retired ward damn steve steve how are you doing hey good afternoon mr is it uh brent daughtry yes sir brent uh, brent is with me brand yes. and ryan are in here steve Ryan, hey thanks for taking my phone call so guys i listen to your comments uh and they all had merit i have a different take. First, uh, should uh, Mr. Finley uh, be looking for NIL support uh, from any local uh, Auburn like of uh, bail bonds companies? <laughs> that that would that is certainly an interesting line of thought, and I hadn't really considered it. But yeah, there, there's probably a, a defense lawyer in Auburn that would love to get T.J. Finley on a billboard somewhere. Yeah, well, he does have a defense lawyer. I'm reading it right now. Recent update: Lee County Attorney Davis. Whitley, yes, I uh, did. Whitley I did see this. I did see this. Is representing Mr. Finley in in the misdemeanor arrest. He said Whitley confirms the traffic violations occurred while Finley was riding a scooter without a helmet. Quote: The charges pending against my client T.J. Finley are the result of traffic violations and a misunderstanding. Wow, I'd like to know more about the misunderstanding because you know uh, you said earlier, uh, guys. Uh, both, both you, uh, Brent and uh, Ryan, uh, this was not a major issue. It could have been a non-story. If all he had done was what? Just go ahead and taken probably uh, maybe a, a warning? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there would have been some kind of fine involved. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I wonder when it says eluding arrest, like, I mean, it, did T.J. Finley escape from police officers riding a scooter? I don't think so. Um, well, what does eluding mean to you? I mean, you yeah, know, well, I'm thinking, I, gee, this guy uh, had a hard time eluding uh, opponent's defensive uh, players last year. Well, listen, I think Will Anderson is more athletic than the average city cop, but I, I think uh, it is weird. I feel like if police felt like TJ, what, what TJ did was worthy of chasing him down, throwing him in handcuffs, and putting him in the back of a car, they would have been able to catch him. So I don't think it's like he, he led police on a 30-minute high-speed chase, you know? So I don't think it's anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is unfortunate what happened. The truth is we don't know all the details, and we may at some point 
we may not. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I don't really know what to say to that. I, I do think that it is interesting that eluding police is the language there. Uh, so it, I'm, I'm curious to see if anything does come of that, but I don't think it will. Yeah, um, you know, to, to me, the traffic citation is a non-story. It was the apparently not just going ahead and taking uh, the, the penalty that they were going to, you know, uh, you know, put on him. And this is really, I want to hear, you know, how they define what the attorney, if we find out what the misunderstanding is. He calls it a misunderstanding. I mean, I don't know what the misunderstanding but if I'm stopped and the guy says, you know, you were speeding, there's no misunderstanding. Or you weren't wearing a helmet. What's the misunderstanding? Yeah, I but, think that's you know, I think I that's where the I think that's where the eluding came into. It sounds to me, and I'm projecting here. I have no idea if this is true or not, but it sounds to me like TJ heard something from the police and heard in some way you're free to go when the police were not saying that, uh, and that's where the issue came in. But again, if the cops wanted to chase him down, they're in cars and he's on a moped. Mopeds don't go faster than about. 40 miles an hour most of the right. time so again if they if they felt like he was a dangerous criminal or a danger to himself or others they could have chased him down if they wanted to now the only other um, thing i want to bring up to you that comes to my attention is you know this is not exactly the best uh, i guess um trait uh for being a leader uh, as a quarterback for a team to have this kind of crap you know uh happen to you uh your guys thoughts do you think it, it does or does not impact his leadership, uh, you know, uh, I guess, perspective? I'm not sure if it really impacts the leadership uh, on the field. Um, you know, off the field can be a different story. There's plenty of guys that might do shady things or have some instances where that's not how others would do it off the field and still are revered by their teammates and that sort of thing. Now, granted, if you're comparing guys that are successful leaders in the NFL, that's probably not a common trait. But in college, I mean, Cam Newton was arrested. How'd that go for Auburn in 2010? I mean, I'm just saying, like, everyone ended up adoring and loving him. There, There is absolutely redemption in these type of things and this again is such a like i don't want to minimize an arrest it's still an arrest but there are infinite amounts of things that could be worse uh in the arrest world than this and so i really don't think it has some big red flag on leadership or or anything like that okay well i hope yours uh perspective is the one that brian harson takes as well and, well, he and he might, but also you got to remember, I, I'm like uh, the sentiment is coming into today before we ever knew about this, is that he is no longer leading the quarterback battle. That everyone is very impressed with Zach Calzada. So I don't think you can really say one way or the other that this makes any difference on how that quarterback plays that quarterback battle plays out because I think it's very likely that Calzada wins the job either way so I don't think we'll go back in hindsight and say well this costs him the job because he was not leading in the first place if you talk to most people that are well informed here true however that sure doesn't give me any uh, go you know sticky uh, uh, stance or anything uh, look I, uh, I just hated that you know you know they 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 over exact you know I, I think it's overblown they put arrested I said oh crap you know that's immediately that was immediately my my uh, reaction what what is this you know there's you know there can't be an awful football season without some preseason drama right right 
Okay. Well, well, let's hope it's uh, uh, ends up being a, an odd issue. All right, moving on, guys. You know, uh, Brian, you were on there yesterday, weren't you? I was on, and Brant was on as okay. well. Right. Uh, so, gentlemen, you know, real brief, I want to just real briefly revisit uh, the uh, gentleman that was on there that's uh, written a book that's coming out about the, uh, I guess, the, the, the tortured journeys of many uh, uh, black uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, Mr. Uh, Jason Reed, right? Right. Brant was not on. That was on Tuesday. Okay. He was not on that that one. Okay. So uh, my thoughts was this. Uh, I wanted to run it by, too, what your thoughts were. If Colin Kaepernick had not been a person of color and this had been a white NFL quarterback kneeling, um, do you think the outrage and the negative criticism that ended up having him no longer be a quarterback, do you think that would have happened to a white quarterback doing that? Or do you think not? Um, I think it's very possible uh, that it, that it would have. I, if, if you want to speak for me personally, and I don't really love talking about this kind of thing, but uh, I'd be mad either way, personally, um, no matter who it was. So uh, once you tried to hear the whole story, it made some more sense. But I, for me, I mean, again, I, I don't think it was a very – um, unprecedented move, at least not in a very long time, had someone made a, a protest like that. So it was would have been a culture shock no matter who did it. Well, you do know, Ryan, that he consulted apparently with a uh, former, or I guess friend of his, uh, a Marine, a former Marine. Yeah, I, I, who, I, I did actually. Go ahead and do this. Yeah, it was uh, a Green Beret, I believe, uh, an Army yeah, Green you're Beret. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I, I'm. Ah, I'm. I don't know, uh, Steve. Honestly, I don't have an answer to your question. If if it was a white quarterback who did it versus a black quarterback, and you know, uh, I, I I certainly think there would have been outrage either way. Uh, would it have been as vocal, or, or would uh, would uh, would this have happened in the league if, say, Tom Brady had done it? I don't think so. But uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the issue with with Colin Kaepernick is. Um, you know, I, I think he was a good enough quarterback. Uh, I don't think he was good enough to do the things he did. Uh, and, and you can argue the merits of what he did all you want to. I'm not arguing uh, whether or not it was the right thing to do. I just think um, Colin Kaepernick creating the media firestorm that he did, uh, the reason he was blacklisted from the uh, the NFL was as much because he did this as, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick as your quarterback, I don't think. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out, guys. All right, moving on. Um, I happened to catch this today from uh, Andrew Gould, G-O-U-L-D. Do you know of him? He's a sports columnist. Um, I can't really say that I'm familiar with that name, Steve. Okay, well, it came to my attention uh, from The Spun. And it says, look, Kirk Herbstreit reacts to college game day's new high. I said, huh, let me read it. Do you know who that is? A new game day uh, addition to the game day crew? Uh, it's not Dan Mullen, is it? No, okay. no. So I want to get your thoughts on this. It's a uh, lady by the name of Jess Sims. I said, well, I don't know who she is. And so it says in the article that she is a popular, hold on to your seats, Peloton fitness instructor. I said, wow, this is who they decided to put it for the game day crew. And I say that not because she's a female, because I thought, well, why don't they maybe promote somebody who's a football analyst for ESPN who is a female who has knowledge of football, but she is a Peloton fitness instructor. 
All right, wow. So that qualifies to be on the game day crew? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm speechless, guys. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do I have a wrong take on this? I mean, I, I don't really, I've not really heard anything about this. Um, this all, like, see, I, I, this, I, I'm not, this almost sounds satirical. Like, I, like, I don't know if, uh, this is the spun is that a reputable it site? is uh it is a sports yeah. it is a sports illustrated affiliate i'm looking really? at it right now yeah they're, they're reputable because uh, yeah he's a reputable sports writer and i'm just reading it says uh she says i'm fired up to have you join our team no kirk Griptree said this heard so many great things about you wow and just wanted to welcome you to the ball club but well, she's on the game day crew you know she's not on sec network's crew and it just says she's a popular Peloton fitness instructor who has covered the New York Liberty, whoever that is, as a sideline reporter this season. Who's, who's what is WNBA team? Now? Yeah, they're, they're a WNBA team. Okay. The former college basketball player is looking forward to her new role in a popular Saturday morning show. Okay. I mean, aren't there better qualified candidates from ESPN who are females who do a lot of analysis on, on the sidelines that could have been promoted instead of a, pol- a Peloton fitness instructor? I mean, I'm sure there are, um, but I mean, we'll got we got. I guess we got to see how she is. I mean, we. I mean, if she's good, then oh well. I mean, that's gonna be fine. I, I mean, I again, it's first I've heard of it, so uh, we'll just see how good she is on TV and we'll go from there. Okay, I just assumed that you have to have you know pretty substantial, you know, I guess qualifications and a resume to get on the game day crew as a permanent game day analyst along with, along with the other you know members are on there um i just didn't think she fit that definition to be on the game day crew yeah i feel like game day is is kind of a, an atmosphere and a show unto itself as much as anything and you know i, I had never heard of jess sims but she's very obviously plugged into sports was a college athlete herself uh, so she she understands college athletics at, at least to a point, and you know I, I have no idea if she'll be good or not. But if she is, then great. And if she's not, then I'm sure ESPN will move on. And uh, it, it feels like they want to get a female presence up there. But uh, it, you know maybe maybe she's great. And you know like I said, I, I know nothing about her before right now. So uh, I'm sure ESPN's done their research, and you know it, it is what it is, and we'll see. Okay, well, uh, I just thought I'd, I'd want to see if you guys knew anything about her. Uh, and maybe I said, well, maybe I just don't know enough about her except from what I read. So we'll, we'll see how she comes out. Real quickly, guys, finally, um, I saw the, uh, unex- you know, not surprised, but I thought, wow, this, this, is, uh, this is not going to turn out good for Mrs. Greiner. You know, she got a nine-year uh, jail sentence from the, the Russian uh, supposedly uh, judge today, right? Yes, saw that. Yeah, and uh, what I don't like about this is that apparently a a very very dangerous criminal who's in our um, jail system right now, federal uh, prison, uh, they call him the Merchant of Death, might be uh, what we have to trade for to get her back. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on on this? Um, dealing with Russia is never going to be a fun or fair or positive thing. Um, I really, it's not something I've spent too much time thinking about because um, I, 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 there's just so many other things I, I'm, I'm worried about other than that. But I, I can tell you that the sentence is very long. 
Um, it, that, that whole process is not fair. Uh, and again, anytime you're dealing with them, um, it's just not going to be a very fair and rewarding experience. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that it was rigged and they knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, but I just, uh, I'm so uneasy. And there's another uh, uh, person that they have in their custody, too. A, uh, I forgot his name, but he's a, apparently a former CIA, maybe, uh, person. I'm not sure. Um, but they're trying to you know, get this guy who's apparently involved with a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, they call it the merchant of death, you know, right? Because he's been involved in the killing of, uh, of planning for American uh, troops and soldiers uh, in different uh, uh, arenas over there. But uh, yeah, of course we we agree this is a, a unusually harsh sentence for, for anybody because uh, apparently she even had some written documentation from some physicians that she was being prescribed uh, the. Uh, um, the TH uh, the TBC, what it was uh, that she had in her possession. So uh, I knew they were going to try to you know, pull some shenanigans, uh, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that she's going to be used as a pawn here uh, to get some uh, really uh, criminal uh, person to be, I guess, uh, traded for her uh, release. Yeah. But anyway, uh, unfortunate as it is, I look forward to hear what Mr. Uh, Harson has to say uh, today, and uh, let's hope that everyone. Uh, learns from this on the team is a teaching us from Mr. Finley that, gee, you know, uh, let's use some better judgment in the future and uh, well, let's don't try to elude anybody. Other than a defensive lineman. Uh, other than <laughs> on, on game day, yes. Other than on game day. All right. Hey, guys. Hey, thank you for letting me ramble. I do always thank you for your time and I uh, hope the uh, rest of the afternoon is a safe one and a uh, hopefully uh, yeah, we have, I want to hear from some callers that you know we haven't heard from in a long time. You know, it's preseason uh, time, uh, uh, fall training camp is up. I'd like to hear from Anthony. Bring you back, Jeff, uh, Luke. I heard from him. Uh, I want to hear hopefully from, from Shadow, Paula, uh, and James. Uh, I want to hear these people. You know, uh, stir, stir the pot up. I prefer the pot not to be stirred, at least today. Maybe when J.J. comes back next week, <laughs> <laughs> just to be forthcoming oh, with you. <laughs> you, can, you can have it, Ryan. You can have it, man. You're a seasoned uh, person. You, you, you can take it. But, thank you, Steve. I, I, will, I accept any and all callers on our Auburn Bank phone line. Listen, if you can take my phone calls and you've got caller ID, then you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, Steve, we do not have caller ID, so just for, oh, the, just for the record. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you should then. All right, well, let me go with that. Uh, guys, have a safe afternoon, and uh, thank you again for always taking my phone calls. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. That is retired War Dam Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. One more quick phone call before we take our next break. Actually, Brant, you got something? Real yeah, uh, Brian Harson just held a press conference uh day before opening camp, and uh, – yeah, it said uh, there. I I said earlier TJ practiced today. He did not practice today. Nobody practiced today, um, but practice starts tomorrow. Uh, so that's my bad. But he was in the building today, and he will practice tomorrow, according to Brian Harson. So no issues. Yeah, the uh, direct quote I got pulled up here. Uh, he was here. He'll be here tonight. He'll practice tomorrow. Where where what's going on? Via Tom Green, via Brian Harson. All right, one more quick phone call before we go to our next timeout. Sean. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Good, good. What's been how going on with you? Say that again. 
How you been doing? Been doing well, man. We've uh, we heard from you just a, a few days ago. We're glad you've called back today. Yeah, uh, I've been most of the time. Yeah, JJ usually is here, and uh, he you just missed him. He was here yesterday, but he'll be back next Monday. He'd be fired. He's fired. You said he's fired. Yeah. Well, I'll tell him then. I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell him right after this phone call that he just got fired by Sean. <laughs> uh, we got uh, football come up the uh, September. Yeah, one month away, actually 30 days until Auburn football. So four weeks and two days. We're really excited about it. We'll be doing a lot of preview stuff here in the coming weeks. Who's going to win? Who's going to win this year? I, I'm sorry to say, Sean, I think Alabama's probably going to win again this year if you, you made me pick somebody. No. Well, we hope not. Auburn win every game. Auburn's going to win every game. We like that optimism, Sean. You keep that optimism. Well, Sean, we'll talk to you next time. We appreciate the phone call, buddy. That is Sean joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Going to take our next commercial break on the other side. Birthdays in sports. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. The Thursday edition of Sports Call continues on. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening to us after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. Just had a couple phone calls there from Sean and retired Wardam Steve. Football season is arriving. We're 30 days away from Auburn. If you want to, 23 days until week zero It's when a... Uh, a few smaller games and a few Power 5 teams take the field. I think there's actually like a random Big Ten game. Isn't Vanderbilt playing in Week 0 as well? Vandy's attempting to play the sport of football that day, yes. They're playing Hawaii, right? Again, attempting to play the sport of football (laughs) that day. Uh, That is the matchup, I believe. Um, There's a couple more Power 5 teams. I know North Carolina's got Florida A&M. That should be a close one. Um, Florida State's got Duquesne. And there is a Big Ten game, Nebraska-Northwestern. Yeah, is that... Shockingly early. Are you uh, are you seeing where that game is? Do you have a location there? Because I'm looking at fbsschedules.com, and they're saying that game is going to be played in Dublin, Ireland? Which doesn't yes. make any sense. Yes. No, it is. Yes. The yes. Yes, what? now. It's coming back to me. Yes, it is. What? They, are, they have a game in Ireland. That's why it's actually a week one. They wanted a, a fairly... Yeah. It's coming back to me. What in the world? Don't ask me why. Just how. I don't know. So, 
What it, I just propose this for five seconds. I wish this was like week five. This would never happen in week <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> if this was week five and Nebraska lost to go to like two and three, <laughs> instead of Lane Kiffin getting left on the tarmac, can Nebraska just leave <laughs> Scott Frost in Ireland? Just leave him on Dub. Just leave go, him in Dublin. Go coach a soccer team. You can't coach our football team. Surely there's like Irish league football, right? Irish league American football. It's got to exist somewhere. Oh gosh. Um, so yeah, that that would be the most, I guess, influential week one game is wow. if Scott Frost is going to have a rerun of last year or not. That's so funny. Um, some other Power Five teams. Illinois plays Wyoming. And I mentioned that Florida State-Duquesne game. And then, yes, Vanderbilt-Hawaii. That's a 9-30 fiesta. That one's got to be in Hawaii. Uh, Vandy favored by 6.5, though. Uh, that's the good news. There is a... Uh, <laughs> they might win a game. There is a Conference USA matchup. Two of them, Charlotte and Florida Atlantic, North Texas, and UTEP. UConn... <laughs> Have you? I don't know why we're doing this, but why not football? Week zero. Have you? Don't look. Do not, not look, look if you've not, not seen looking. it. Not looking. UConn plays Utah State that okay. day. There is a line for it. What do you think the line is? UConn versus Utah State. Yep. Uh, at Utah State, if you can. At Utah State, I'm going to say Utah State by twenty. That's not a bad guess. Higher. Higher. <laughs> Higher. Thirty. Almost 28. Okay. Four touchdowns. Wow. UConn went to a BCS Bowl <laughs> like a decade ago. Yeah. A decade later, going to get smashed by Utah State on opening week, according the, to Vegas. The doldrums of college football. That's insane. Oh, how the somewhat mighty have fallen. <laughs> uh, UN- oh, oh, how the 10 and 2 are no longer that. <laughs> Uh, Idaho State plays UNLV. Austin P plays, plays Western Kentucky in the only game I've missed. Uh, Nevada plays New Mexico State. And I... Indiana? Why yeah. Ireland? I'm hung up on... Nebraska Northwestern, yeah. Yeah, I'm hung up on Ireland. Want to take a guess at that line? Nebraska yeah, and Northwestern? Yeah. Nebraska by 10? Very close. Nebraska, but 12. Oh. Northwestern had a very rough year last year. Not that Nebraska mm-hmm. didn't, but yeah. Northwestern, I think, was 3-9, and nine, and Nebraska had a losing record as well, but they had, I think they were 5-7, and seven, and they had like six of their seven losses were like one possession games. It yeah. was like a freaky... I remember um, that. That was like the, well, Scott Frost normally with this record would be fired, but right. literally like if six plays go differently, yeah. they have a very good record. Yeah. So, cool. I, honestly, I, I can't believe we're talking. I mean, again, it's just mind blowing that I'm spending minutes on Nebraska in Auburn. But, <laughs> like, I do want to point out and I want to appreciate Nebraska for some patience because, again, we talk about programs all the time, Auburn's included, that lack it in general. I mean, Auburn, I'll like, especially recently, yes. like, they've given their coaches time over time, you know, because. Gus had moments where he was teetering earlier than just when he ultimately got fired. Uh, the trigger was quick on Gene Chizik, but it was the worst year of, of Auburn yeah, football that, history. There, there was no controversy there. Um, Tuberville, you know, I mean, he still had, I think 06 was still a Cotton Bowl year. Two years later is gone. I don't think that's impatient nor ultra patient. I think it just, I think some of these were just, it is what it is. But in increasingly less patient in the last couple of years. And so we talk about Auburn. We talk about all these SEC schools that just lack patience 
pretty constantly. Nebraska, who had about as good of a decade as you could have had pre-Alabama in the 90s when they won multiple national championships with uh, Tom Osborne, I believe. Yep. Um, they expect to be a top 20 program. They have been nothing like that. And they might, I don't know, ask them, they might even expect to be better than that. But but they should be, anyone would agree, a top 25 program. And they've not been that at all. And Scott Frost was supposed to fix that in a big way. And he is not in a big way. And yet they're still giving him, what, is this year four? I think so. Because Heupel had two years at UCF. This will be his second year um, you know, I'm, I'm saying Heupel because that's who replaced him at, at UCF. Heupel went two years at UCF, I believe, and now second year at Tennessee. So it would be four years of Frost at Nebraska. Look, uh, big programs like that don't wait a full cycle anymore. I mean, it's yeah. just not guaranteed that. So I appreciate them. I, I don't have many dogs in fights in the Big Ten or any conference outside the SEC. Or, or I, I mean, I guess I have dogs in fight in the ACC and Conference USA, but it's certainly not in the Big Ten. I wouldn't mind Nebraska being rewarded for exhibiting some patience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think – I don't know if Scott Frost is a good coach or not, but uh, I think uh, a program like Nebraska giving him a full four years, and even though last year wasn't great, them still saying, we understand how close you were, here's another year to kind of right, the, right those wrongs. And, you know, if they can pull it off, then, you know, more power to them. All right, now we'll take our final break of the hour. And on the other side, we got sidetracked. Birthdays in sports will happen. If someone calls, it will not. I'll just be forthcoming. It will happen at the start of hour number two. But we're going to plan to do birthdays in sports after this final time out of hour number one. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger to say is Nebraska football before I was born was unbelievable. We looked at some statistics, folks. Those like what what years did you say? 73 to 99? Yeah, the entirety of Osborne, 1973 to 1997. It's 25 years if I can do math. Eight Unbelievable! Not a single time outside of the AP Top 25 when they finished. And there was only one time they finished out of the Top 15 in that, I think. In what you yes. said. Or, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And finished, 20, finished in the Top 10. 24th was a reload because and that was in 1990. Then they went 15th, 14th, 3rd, 1st, 1st, 6th, 1st. Woo! 
So I again, to, I know we're getting a little removed from that. I mean, we're about 25 years since the end of Tom Osborne, but that was 25 years of always being in the top 25. And I read Brant like 12 Orange Bowl appearances, <laughs> and in 25 years. So again, like I, I'm, it's a better understanding. Not that I didn't think it was completely without warrant, but a better understanding of why Nebraska has been very agitated the last two decades with how their program has, has been run and, and the different coaches they've trotted out there because they really should be per, perennially top 20. I mean, <laughs> based off that, higher than that. But at the bare minimum, they've got to be a top 25 program. And so yeah. I, I see why, why they're agitated. Uh, kudos to them for trying to let Scott Frost figure it out. But that also shows you, yeah, 7-5, and five, not going to save him no, <laughs> at Nebraska. No. They need a 9- or 10-win season. Uh, as Scott Frost. All right, I promise this. Uh, we will get now something we do each and every day. <laughs> it's time for today's birthdays in sports. Just about four minutes left in the hour. If I w- went any longer on Nebraska, I had to push it to the other hour. So mm-hmm. here we go. Bob Baumhauer turned 67 today, former defensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. Baumhauer played college football at the University of Alabama, where he was a two-time All-SEC selection, drafted 40th overall by the Dolphins in 1977, where he would spend his entire career. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and a member of the Miami Dolphins Hall of Honor. And I also recognize Bob Baumhauer as the beautiful man <laughs> that created Baumhauer's Victory Grill for Auburn people, yes. just regular Baumhauer's yes. in other parts of the state, the chain of wing restaurants that Brant and I and JJ ate at yesterday. Yes, absolutely. I remember writing that blurb. I think it was yesterday. It may have been, it may have been Tuesday, actually, but I remember writing that blurb and then going to eat there like within 24 there hours of go. each other. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Bob Baumhauer celebrating his 67th birthday today. John Riggins turned 73, former NFL running back. Riggins played college football at Kansas. Go Jayhawks. And broke several school records. Thank you, Brooks, including (laughs) career rushing yards. He was two-time All-Big 8 and one-time All-American. He was drafted six overall by the Jets in 1971, eventually signed with the Redskins and spent most of his career in Washington. He was a Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, one-time All-Pro and two-time NFL rushing TDs leader. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. John Riggins turns 73 today. Mike Soroka turns 25, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Sor- oh, Canada. Soroka was born in Canada. Plans to attend Cal. He planned to hey. attend Cal. College at Cal, easy for me to say, before being drafted <laughs> by the Braves in 2016. Made the Major League roster in 2018, was an All-Star in 2019. He has a career ERA of 2.86, and we need his Achilles to be healthy. Yeah. Mike Soroka. D- d- don't even need him to be that good again. Just need him to be kind of like... Now, he's close to what he was at one point. And like go like ERA of three and a half. Yeah. Just, just add, a, add a full run onto his ERA. Soroka turns my age 25. My age not 25. I don't know why I said that. My age 26. Soroka turns 25. <laughs> I'm younger than I think I am. Or I'm older than I think I am. Soroka turns 25 today. Roger Clemens, the Rocket, turns 60. Former MLB pitcher Clemens was born in Ohio. After a stay in Juco, he transferred to Texas where he was a two-time All-American and won the 1983 National Championship. The Collegiate Award for the best pitcher in the country is now known as the Roger Clemens Award. He was taken 19th overall by the Red Sox in 1984 and spent 23 years in 
and majors, 11-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, seven-time Cy Young winner, an American League MVP, seven-time MLB ERA leader, four-time win leader, two-time Triple Crown winner, steroid user, that's not on the page, and holds the MLB <laughs> record for strikeouts in a game with 20, accomplishing that number twice. Steroids aside, the Rocket, Roger Clemens, one of the best pitchers of all time, turns 60 today. And I've got a couple bonus birthdays for you. Oh, do you? Uh, both in NASCAR, so I understand why okay, they were fair enough, fair not enough. on the page. Uh, one is Kurt Busch. He is a former Cup Series champion. He turns 44 today. He's currently dealing with a concussion. Hopefully, he can get back in the car soon. Oh, 34 career wins over his career. Has won a race in each of the last nine seasons. And again, was a champion way back in his fourth season back in 2004. Kurt Busch turns 44 today. And then one of the great drivers of all time, Jeff Gordon, turns 51 today. That was my favorite driver, along with a lot of uh, people's favorite drivers growing up. 93 wins in his career. A four-time champion. Three-time Daytona 500 champion. Led 24,936 laps in his career. It's a ton. 477 top tens. And again, like I said, 93 wins, I believe, is third all-time in the annals of NASCAR history. He's now a higher-up at Hendrick Motorsports, the team he drove for for his entire career. Jeff Gordon turns 51 today. That makes me feel old. He is the reason I ever started watching NASCAR. And those are the birthdays in sports today. We hope you have a great birthday as well, wherever you may be. End of hour number one, fun hour. On the other side, I alluded to Hall of Famer John Riggins, who turned 73 today in birthday sports. The Hall of Fame game is tonight. We'll talk a little NFL in hour number two. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson today. He is out of town for the rest of the week. He'll be back on Monday if you're missing his beautiful voice. 
Brant Dontry is with me today as well. Hello. We're holding down the fort on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Couldn't have been like this on Tuesday when the Thunder Chickens were trying to play, <laughs> the most winnable game we'll ever play. Anyway, beside the point, it's a beautiful day around Auburn, Alabama. And it's also a beautiful day because football, the sport that we talk about almost every single day on the show, returns in some form tonight at the Hall of Fame game. It's the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I said football returns. That was a phrase. And then I said Jacksonville Jaguars, and you probably got infinitely disappointed. However, I know some of you, all football is good football. Uh, Dad tells me that all the time as he stares at CFL football Mm -hmm. over the summer. I love the CFL. And so the Jaguars and Raiders will play professional football tonight in a preseason environment. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the NFL. We're not going to deep dive it. We'll deep dive it in a few weeks as we really get close to the season. Just like with college football, we're we're like pre-talking talking because, <laughs> we're, because we're talking about these things, but we're not like deep diving until we get two or three weeks out. So a little bit later, for instance, we'll do some Auburn football superlatives. Uh, we kind of had planned maybe a big shebang of superlatives across the entirety of college football, but we'll keep it Auburn related and do a couple those in the five o'clock hour uh but we did a show last year if you'll recall that had about 10 or 11 or 9 uh superlatives across the country and and we will do that show at some point just a little closer closer to time so we're not doing a full nfl breakdown here but do want to get some thoughts again not really the prognosis of, of these teams in particular but just brant as you look at the nfl this year and i feel like there's some obvious things feel free to point out all the obvious things but like what excites you what storylines what things are you just ready to find out about for the national (laughs) football league this year uh you know i'm interested to see how uh i guess trevor lawrence i guess we'll start with the jacksonville jaguars even though he said not not start go for it yeah he's a dude Uh, he's a dude he's a dude and he's he's a player i think has a chance to be really good and just kind of got stuck behind the eight ball in his first season i'm curious to see how that goes um you know former number one overall picks are are always going to be scrutinized especially when they're quarterbacks especially when they are guys who had the generational talent tag on them since they were a junior in high school you know uh, and, you know, certainly Trevor Lawrence uh, maintained that tag uh, throughout his college days at Clemson. And I, I think he's got a chance to be really successful. Uh, I, I'm interested to see – well, I'll say this. The Chiefs are appointment television for me. Um, and I understand they lost Tyreek Hill, but I think their offense is so fun. Uh, not just because they have great players, but because I think their designs are so cool. I think the X's and O's of, of what they do is so unique and so different. And I just love the – the way they attack defenses. So even though they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, I'm very interested to see what they do. Um, The Browns, I guess, uh, ignoring all the drama surrounding the Browns, I think that offense has a chance to be really fun to watch uh, if you're looking at it purely from a a football's perspective, which I'm going to try to do. Uh, And I think that's what fans should try to do, um, is, is approach it purely from the standpoint of football. Um... I'm trying to think of what other teams intrigue me. The Falcons, they are my team. I am a fan of the Falcons. I do not always like the Falcons. Um, And I'll be honest, I'm kind of interested to see how Marcus Mariota looks. What is year two under 
what's the head coach's name? Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, thank you. Uh, I'm curious to see what year two under Arthur Smith looks like. Uh, I understand it's a rebuilding year, but that's that's where I'm hyper-focused because that's uh, kind of where I am. And I'm I, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, are very interesting because it does seem like they are gearing up for one last ride with Tom Brady um, after he announced his retirement and then came back. Usually when guys do that, they don't play for several years after that. It's usually one, maybe two uh, and and you have said around the office you think this is going to be Brady's last ride with the Buccaneers. So uh, I'm interested to see how they do it. I think they are in the weakest division in the NFL. Uh, I think they are the clear front runners. I think I frankly I think they're the only good team in the division. Uh, and so I'm very curious to see what they do as well. Got a question from Austin Scott to us. Can Justin Herbert maintain his success? Oh, yeah, that's another one. The, the Chargers are a team that every time I got to watch them, I really enjoyed them. Uh, watching highlights after games is great, but because they're on the West Coast, and you know, we, I just never was able to watch them live because I don't have a Sunday ticket or a- anything like that that the NFL provides. But um, I, I really do think Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. I, I liked him at Oregon, and I like him more so in uh, San Diego, or excuse me, Los Angeles formerly in San Diego so uh, I, I'm I'm very interested to see if he can maintain that, that was a that's a good point from Austin uh, I do want to give the South this I don't think it will be the worst division really? football you I think, think the it East could be going to be worst I I think there's a couple of divisions that could be worse right I think the AFC South could be worse because the Jaguars and Texans exist that's fair now the Titans will be good and the Colts should be good right but it depends on what the Saints do in the NFC South because yeah. I could very easily swap you if the Bucks and Saints can even out with the Titans and Colts. I like the Panthers and Falcons to be better than the Jaguars and Texans. That's fair. Um, and then, yes, the NFC East is possible. Um, depends on what Dallas does. Depends on if the Eagles take a step or Washington. And then I also would throw out there – what kind of what does the middle of the NFC North look like? Green Bay will be really good. Detroit should it be too good? Does Minnesota rebound back into the wild card caliber team they've been? How does year two of Justin Fields look? So I think there's some there's some room there. There's some um, ability to kind of I don't know go anywhere from like the fifth best division to it could still end up being right. the worst. Um, I'm interested in, and this kind of goes along with with Austin, with Herbert, and this might be a cop-out. I'll try and make it a little more micro. I just named you, you know, the AFC South teams and the fact that Jaguars and Texans play football. Other than adding the Jets, name me the team in the AFC that you just don't think is going to be any good. I don't think there's another one that is going to be bad. And there's inevitably going to be a team that goes 6-11 and 11 and we'll be like, oh, it's yeah. disappointing. But, I mean, like, let's take these teams for face value. Buffalo should be good. New England was a playoff team last year with a rookie quarterback. Should be fine. Miami. Now, they have some uh, – they have a floor they that might questions. be lower. They have questions. But, but. they were a, a around a 500 team last year, and now they've got Tyree Kill, and they've yep. got a new coach. So the opportunity is there. The Jets, unfortunately, exist. Um, (laughs) AFC North. Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl. Cleveland, if they get 11 games of Deshaun Watson, they've got a very talented roster. Pittsburgh has never been under 500. They've got a new quarterback, so maybe they do take a hit. But it says the rest of their football team is pretty good. Yes. 
And then Baltimore was the number one seed in the AFC last year until Lamar Jackson got hurt. Yep. And they ended up completely phoning it in. I don't think they even made the playoffs after that. I don't think so. I, I think as long as they have Lamar Jackson, they're going to be fine. As long so, as he can stay healthy. They're going to be good. And then we talk about Tennessee. Yep. Been a reliable team. If Derrick Henry can stay healthy especially. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. Indianapolis probably has their best quarterback play since um, Andrew Luck retired. Yep. Depended on the year with Phillip Rivers, but he was mainly a charger. I think he only played one year in Indianapolis. So probably will get their best quarterback play in a few years to a team that has Jonathan Taylor, who was yeah. outstanding last year. A team that year. is very good. That, that Colts roster is really, really good. And you, you've got – and I understand I'm biased towards Matt Ryan. I have always been biased towards Matt Ryan. But I think that you add him to what is a very talented roster, I think they are – you have to consider them for winning the AFC for sure. Denver gets Russell Wilson in there yep. to a team that was seven or eight wins last year. Not a horrific team. They had a really good quarterback. Kansas City's Kansas City. Yep. Las Vegas was a playoff team that won a playoff game last year. Yeah, man. What a st- that, that adds Devontae Adams, by the that way. That was the most insane storyline last year. All the crap that the Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders went through uh, that had nothing to do with football. Right. That a, a weaker team would have just collapsed. And just kind of like, we don't want to be here. We don't want to play football. We've got so many more important things to think about. And they somehow made the playoffs. Yeah. That was, that was an insane performance from them. And won a game. Yeah. And then you have the Chargers with Justin Herbert. They maximizing their opportunity. And I'm trying to think of all the moves that they made. But I remember thinking over the offseason that I was really excited that they were trying to maximize this period of time where their franchise quarterback is not making $30 million a year. And you just don't see teams be able to commit like that very often because it takes you three or four or five years to figure out someone is truly a franchise quarterback. And they've already gone gone for it. I, again, I apologize for not being able to remember their moves, but they were making moves this offseason. And so they should be good. The point is, it's like there's a couple teams that I can see it going wrong. Like if Tua has a really bad year or you know, I don't know if Russell Wilson has injury problems, if, if Derrick Henry has injury problems. But there's still ceilings for all of those teams. Literally just Houston, Jacksonville, and the Jets. Everyone else can win 10 football games this Absolutely. year. Every other team. And you can't say that about the NFC because if I'm looking at teams that just can't win 10 games, they'd need a rocket up their butt to <laughs> win 10 games. Okay, half the NFC East, I don't think New York and I don't think Washington can win 10 games. I don't think the Lions can win 10 games. I think Minnesota can. I'm not sure about Chicago. In the South, I don't think Atlanta can. And I don't really think Carolina can. Maybe, maybe if if Baker is back to two years ago, Baker, and the defense is as good as last year. So I guess they can, but it's a very narrow path. It's much narrower than all those AFC teams. Uh, and then in the NFC West, the Seahawks absolutely can't. They're 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 done. They're done. <laughs> the, they're, the, they're the Seahawks are are engaged for a rebuild for sure. So that's at least five, if not six teams that I don't think have a path to ten wins in the NFC. Uh, now some of that will you know those teams I say maybe like I think Minnesota can. I'm putting them in the can category. They might ultimately do it because there's some weaker teams to play and yep. benefit off of. So it, someone's going to end up winning ten games. But 
again, this this AFC, I just I love the possibilities that are there. Um, I could I could kind of faction off a few of those teams. Like I say, okay, you know Pittsburgh might win ten games, but they're just not going to be a Super Bowl contender. There's even if Pickett is good, like they're they're going to be a couple years away. I could I could throw them out. I could maybe throw Miami out. I could maybe throw. I don't know, uh, Denver. I don't know because Den- you get Russell Wilson to win now. You don't get him to win yeah. in three years. You get him yeah. to win now. He's over thirty now. So even a team like Denver that is further away compared to what they were last year, you bring in Wilson. I mean, that's worth multiple wins right there. It, that's just what excites me. I mean, yes, I could nitpick and I tell you every excitable thing about the NFL and the NFC and stuff, but just. When you have 13 of 16 teams that go into the year with real aspirations to win a division or to win 10 games or to make a run in the playoffs, I think it has potential to be a really good year. And it never works out the way we planned. They'll be, like I said, they'll be a they'll be a five and twelve team or six and eleven team of the group I just mentioned. It'd be like, well, that went south fast. Yeah, it did. But in the beginning of the year, there was real hope and optimism there. And I and I think that the AFC is just just overall loaded. Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, all these teams play each other. They're all really good. And so someone's going to have to win and someone's going to have to lose. And the cream is going to rise to the top. And I think the cream is going to include teams like uh, Kansas City, I think, is the obvious one. Um, uh, I Buffalo. Think Buffalo, for sure. I think the Patriots are in good shape. As much as I wanted Mac Jones to not be good, I think he has turned pretty good. So, uh, How do you I feel th- about Cincinnati? Cincinnati, I'm wondering if they can repeat because what they did, I, I don't want to say it felt like a fluke, but it did feel like lightning in a bottle. But the problem with lightning in a bottle is that usually it's fleeting. But also, all of those players are back, except, you know, CJ Uzama went to the Jets, but you still got Jamar Chase, you still got Joe Burrow, you still got a solid O line in front of those guys. Joe Mixon is a really good tailback. And, you know. They added offensive line. Yeah. Um, that was by far. I, I, I'm just throwing this out there. I have no rhyme nor reason or, or any, like, historical context to tell you if it was or wasn't but that had to be one of the worst offensive lines that never made the super bowl yeah i agree. I mean it just had to be it was awful and so they spent a lot of money i think they signed three guys that could start i know they sent uh they signed alex kappa away from tampa bay uh the starting right guard so he'll start and he's on a multi-year deal and they signed a couple i think they got someone maybe from the patriots or something I, I don't, i'm not 100 percent sure but they signed multiple guys to multiple year deals it's it's so weird because i've always said i don't care if you have a quarterback who can who can throw it all over the yard and make every throw i don't care if you have a wide receiver who can get open nine times out of ten and i don't care if you have the fastest running back in the world if you don't have a good offensive line you can't win because everything starts up front Cincinnati has proven me wrong because I think in the in the modern era of football where everything is so spread out and you have these wide receivers who can get 20 yards downfield in half a second uh, that just is it's just not the same anymore because it's such a passing game now uh, things are not built on the run the running game has become secondary in modern football which is you know astounding to me and something I didn't think I'd ever say but yeah you're right Cincinnati proved that they could make it to a Super Bowl with bad offensive line play and now they have invested in the O-line, like you said. And absolutely, protect your franchise quarterback. Joe Burrow is the guy. And uh, he's he's the guy for the foreseeable future for them. I mean, he's what? He's like 21, 22? He's a young guy. Burrow? Yeah. 
Uh, he's he... 24. 24? I think. Okay. Because remember, he would have been 22 as he left LSU. So that's he might fair. be 25, actually. Yeah. Um, either either way, way, I mean, that's a decade su- plus. Super young, and he already got you to a Super Bowl that you had a chance to win. He is 25. So, so he's 25. So, you know. I mean, Joe, Joe I, Burrow, protect him. Protect, again, protect your quarterback. It guy. doesn't get a whole lot younger than that, what he's already accomplished because, yes. again, you're not getting the league younger than 21 because you have to play three years in college. So to have already been to a Super Bowl and just be 25, I mean, again, there's a lot of guys that would, would love to accomplish that. I, I'm looking through this. Um, there's not much I don't care about this year. <laughs> There's a couple NFC teams. Like, I really just don't care what Seattle looks like yeah. anymore. It's kind of sad because they were such a good team for about a decade because of Russell Wilson, because of the Legion of Boom defense. There's just nothing left there. I'm kind of surprised Pete Carroll's continuing on there, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I would have really. retired. Um, I, I could not care less about what Houston does. I, neck boy, <laughs> Davis Mills. <laughs> that quarterback, neck boy, uh, neck yeah. boy, yeah. Uh, someone get him a somewhat. Someone uh, said like uh, his mom was trying to get a, a turtleneck sponsorship for him, which is <laughs> kind of brilliant, actually. Um, that lean into it. Why not? Yeah, everyone can see. Everyone say, has eyes. Like, there's no point in trying to hide it. Like everyone knows. I'm sure he's heard it his entire life. <laughs> I, I like you. Like they're going to be bad, but I want to see Jacksonville because. Yeah. Lawrence needs to play better. He doesn't have to be incredible this year, but he needs. He played pretty poorly last year, so he needs to, needs to get better. And hopefully, he will. He has someone that hopefully can coach the NFL this year. Um, NFC again. You know, the NFC East is just in general is kind of a meh division. I mean, I don't. I'm subscri- waiting on the Cowboys to be good. Right. I don't subscribe to like. I've got to know what the Cowboys are doing at all times. Like, I'm not one of those people that makes fun of them. I also, like, am not captivated by them. They're just... They're there. They're a team that it gets talked about a lot. I don't know. Like, I don't... They'll be good. I don't know if they'll be Super Bowl good. They'll be good. I, I think this is it for Daniel Jones. You're going down that division. I think Daniel Jones needs to have a good year or he's gone. Uh, Philadelphia is interesting. They were a playoff team last year. Washington... I, surely they'll find out that Taylor Heineke is not a, a, a good starting quarterback <laughs> in the NFL this year. Surely that will happen. Uh, big year for Fields. I thought Fields had moments last year. I also thought he looked very dear in the headlights at times and just kind of throwing the throw. Uh, I wish Dan Campbell nothing but the best in Detroit, but that's just such an uphill battle there. We yeah, saw that's, Dan that's Campbell... A- Go ahead. That, that's a very, very bad roster, but a group of guys that seems to love their head coach. And, I mean, when you have a locker room that's together like that, that's going to win you some games against teams that are more talented than you, but there is still a ceiling on what they can accomplish. Now, if you get a super group, a, a group of super talented guys and they all rally behind Dan Campbell like that, then I think Detroit can be dangerous in a couple of years, but they're going to have to make the right moves. Uh, just was really impressed with him. When uh, listening to him back in uh, Mobile, his staff was working on the one of the uh, Senior Bowl rosters and uh, was impressed by him. Very funny guy. Uh, but, again, it's Detroit. It's self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> They've been bad for a long time. I'll stop with one more team. I won't talk about the West. They're all good except Seattle, the South, you know, Tampa, New Orleans, I think two-horse race. Yeah. Um, but the another thing that we got to talk about real briefly, and we'll take a timeout. I know this is dragged on a little bit. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, huge contract extension. It, it went from that he could be done, he could be done in Green Bay 
until he gets like a huge, what was it, a four-year extension that's one of the biggest contracts yeah. in NFL history. At some point, now not me personally because I don't really like Rodgers and I've never liked the Packers my entire existence. At some point, just on a neutral level, I would like them to do something important in the playoffs again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have been utterly lacking in that department. And I know that a lot of people talk about Rodgers as potentially being the most talented quarterback in the history of the league. If that is true, it is almost malpractice to only have one Super Bowl appearance. I'm not even talking about victory. One one time you won your conference. Um, so as a neutral fan, to get Rodgers a deep postseason run again would be of note. Again, I personally am not a Packers guy. I personally do not want that to happen. But just I think it would be good to see him exercise some postseason demons. And not all of them are his fault. Obviously, there's been several years where the defense has been just, yeah. Um, But there's also (laughs) been times where he's had the opportunity not done it. I mean, you can't tell me that he didn't have a a, a disappointing performance last year against San Francisco, um, for example. So I, I just think it's interesting to see what Green Bay is because Adams is gone. They'll have some other decent receivers. Rodgers will make those receivers better. Uh, they still have a very good running back in Aaron Jones, but I don't know. We've been we've been flirting with what does Rodgers do in the postseason for a long time. Yes, and I think it's just time that he do something big again in the postseason. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I like Aaron Rodgers uh, from a quarterback perspective. I understand that there's a whole lot of drama surrounding him in his personal life. Um, but none of it criminal, so I do my best not to let me. Let yeah, that, no, and that's not why yeah. I don't. I just I've never. I don't know. I've just never. <laughs> I've never. He's never run me the right way. Never has. Right. I I like watching him because I I do think he is one of, if not the one of the most physically capable quarterbacks of all time. Um, but you're right. He he has not done a whole lot in the postseason. He does have a Super Bowl, but he only has one. And like you said, he's only made one, uh, and not a whole lot of deep playoff runs from the Packers and it doesn't get any easier this year because like you said you lost a a uh, all pro hall uh, not hall of famer but uh, an all pro wide receiver in Devontae Adams going to the Raiders which I think is very interesting um, but yeah I, I'm, I'm with you I want to see the Packers do something in the playoffs and I, I think it will tarnish an otherwise great legacy of football that Aaron Rodgers has left behind if he can't make another run to a Super Bowl It'll be like a what if yes. scenario, and I and I don't know like what if scenarios are usually dependent on like one particular thing. Like if you go to the NBA, like what if Kevin Durant never signed with the Warriors and signed with just any other team? Do the Warriors really rattle off all those championships? You know, what if LeBron stayed in Cleveland? There's a lot of those in the NBA because just one player means so much yes. to the teams. There's not as many of those in football because it's again the team is it's just five on a five collection of so many. Yeah, uh, but just like. It would be. It just feel disappointing because everyone can recognize the town of Rogers, and they've certainly not had problems dominating that division. They're in every year, um, but they just they've they've had so many one and dones in the postseason, and just to only be in one Super Bowl now, going on about fifteen years of being a starting quarterback, it just seems light. And and I'm not even trying to compare it to Brady because like Brady is something that you will never really be able to compare to. But you've got this guy named Patrick Mahomes, and he's already 
he's 10 years younger than Rodgers, and he's he's going to challenge Rodgers one day for like the most talented quarterback we've ever yeah. seen. I, you can make and the he's already that been he already a couple has. times. Yeah, and he's and he's already been in, and, and won as many, and he's already been more. Yeah. And, and it's just like I'm not saying these grow on trees, but I'm also saying someone that damn good should overcome it. Every now and then, yeah, you know, it's just it is especially in the NFC. Like Brady was not in the NFC for 15 years. Imagine how many times Pittsburgh feels they could have gone to the Super Bowl if Brady was not in their way, and some other teams, maybe the Colts, probably feel that yeah. way with Peyton Manning. So again, it's just I, one more time. I think the NFL and football fans probably need to see Aaron Rodgers play in a Super Bowl, play in that game just to see what it's like again because it's been. An awfully long time. It was 2010 when he won the Super Bowl, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't that the year? About they beat I, Pittsburgh. I think it was. Um, and I don't. I honestly, I don't remember the year. It might have been like 12. I don't know. It, it let you're dancing around the years. The Giants beat the Patriots. I didn't, yeah. like. I feel like it's it's around that time. I think Pittsburgh had already beaten the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. The Steelers did win with Roethlisberger. Yeah, it was uh, it was 2011 was the okay. year Super Bowl was played before the 2010 yeah. season. There you go. You got there you got it set on. So yeah. it's been over a decade since he's been in the Super Bowl. So we'll see if um, I guess I'm just seeing if over the course maybe not even this year. Like I wouldn't mind. If, you know the old guy. It's like you said, he's on like a four-year deal with right. With the Packers, so right. So the he's interesting got time. thing is, it's not it's not a last stance as he and Devonte Adams joked about yeah. last year. But over the course of this contract, got to see him in that in that Super Bowl one more time. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. That was a good, healthy, long discussion. The National Football League again, Raiders, the Las Vegas variety, and Jacksonville Jaguars tonight in the Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio. When we come back, we'll talk a little Braves, kind of again, wrap up the trade deadline discussions we've had the last day or two, and then get you set for Braves and Mets. That's a huge series, five games, four days in Queens. We'll talk a little bit about that next. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon, rolling right along. Just had a nice, healthy discussion on the National Football League as their Hall of Fame game is tonight. Vegas and Jacksonville. And I'm still... I'm, I'm kind of proud. I've not said Oakland in a while now. I think I've finally gotten it out of my system. I'm still wowed at how every league needs to get to Las Vegas now after not having any teams in Las Vegas for a long time. Uh, we've had a string of Golden Knights, Aces in the WNBA, then the Raiders, and now Oakland might be interested in moving uh, in Major League Baseball. And then if you listen closely to the NBA – there's some thought that in 
I don't know. I don't know the timeline, but but that the next move that will be made is adding teams, giving Seattle a team again, and yeah. putting a team in Las Vegas for a 32-team league. So it, Las Vegas really has blown up here. It has. It definitely feels like Seattle is aching for an NBA franchise. Um, and that that's from me, the casual NBA observer. You know, I'm not super plugged in or anything, but... I see people talking about the Supersonics all the time, uh, and not necessarily the Thunder going back to Seattle, but to the uh, just the you know the the team a, a team being planted in right. Seattle. Oklahoma has, has embraced the Thunder. There are no issues there. They're in rebuild mode right now. But I mean, they were when they were good. They made a finals with Durant, and Westbrook, and Harden and Ibaka. I mean that that fan base is very passionate. It has worked there. It was just unfair for Seattle to yeah. lose their team there. Do there do there need to be eight combined teams in the states of California and Texas? Like I understand those states are huge, and I'm mostly being facetious. No, Brant, there's but... be twelve. <laughs> what do you mean only eight? Uh, again, most more. I mean, most of the time. That it's just that there's so many people. The demand is there. Yeah, you know, like like I joke about because I like there the are Lakers. two teams in the city of Los Angeles. I was just about to say I like that. You know, or I like to just dog on the Clippers and say they don't belong and they're useless and make fun of them. I mean, they get sold out crowds. They have a rich owner that is about to build them a new arena that people are going to flock to. I mean, the, the only team. That I can think of on first brush, blush, in any of these major leagues, like NFL, NBA, MLB, um, that or well, there's two. I take that back. There's two teams that I think probably are going to have to get out of there. One's not fair. One's because they have no ownership and they're loser. Can I, can I take a stab at them? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Rays and the Sacramento Kings. No, no. Neither. Really? <laughs> Neither. Uh, Sacramento is abysmally unsuccessful, but they do have fans. Um, Oakland Athletics. Okay. Because that's the ownership problem. Because they don't spend. They don't care. They have the war- – I, I, I would be shocked if there's any facility worse than what the Oakland Athletics play in, in all major sports. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. Remember, there was an article a couple years ago where there was – the sewage was backed up. Oh, and yeah. Locker rooms smelled like crap. And, it just, I mean, I'm not even yeah. being facetious there. So, just horrible conditions. They get 500 – not 5,000. They get 500 fans every now and then. Yeah. Um, it, so, that's a train wreck. If they built a new ballpark – I'd be willing to give it a shot in Oakland and see how the people show up and if they're willing to spend a little bit more money. But the ownership has just treated it so badly, I just don't think Oakland is redeemable. The other one I was going to say, and it's not necessarily I wouldn't have them move out of the state of California, but I don't think they belong in Los Angeles as the Chargers. You don't think so? Because they they don't really get... They're starting to get better crowd now that they have Herbert. But, I mean, the running joke when they, before the stadium was built was that they couldn't even fill up the, the yeah. L.A. Galaxy soccer arena. It was like a stadium. It was like 30,000 seats. Yeah. And I feel like the city of San Diego was done very wrong there. Yeah. And I'm why, not a, why did they leave San Diego in the first place? I can't remember the reason for that. And I remember everyone going, there's no reason for this because 
San Diego people were Chargers fans. I think it was bickering over stadium again. Nah, um, that checks out. They didn't have the best stadium either. And, and that's really where this comes down to. You mentioned Tampa, and I think that's not far behind these. It wasn't what I was initially thinking of. But again, it's another situation where they don't spend, and so fans just never love ownership that doesn't spend. But then you have one of the worst facilities in the sport. I mean, thank God for Oakland if you're Tampa Bay because um, the trop is just short of an eyesore. It's not the worst thing that there's ever been. But it's not like, oh, yeah, I've just always dreamed of going to Tropicana Field and looking up at those big catwalks up there. Yeah. So Baseball in a dome is weird to me, man. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. (sighs) Football in a dome, I understand. Uh, Basketball, obviously, is an indoor sport. You know, every other sport feels like an indoor sport, but it, they got baseball to, needs to be open air. And I understand, like you're in Florida, it's tough. They got to do the retractable roof. Yes, um, yeah. Houston has that. Is Miami's retractable? Or, I think so. Because I think I think there they meant it to be retractable, but initially it wasn't because it was like built improperly. And I get I I never figured I guess weird. they they fixed it. I never watched their games. Are great. I feel like every here's it's here's my hot take. But every stadium should have a retractable roof. There you so go. So you can play in. You can play when it's raining. No such thing as a weather delay. So Tampa. And, but you're right. It is stupid expensive. So Tampa is is in that same boat of I think if they got a new stadium, they would be fine. But if they bicker for another half a decade over one, then they might ultimately move. Yes. Yeah. And I, I thought I read some plans looking at uh, Ebor City, which is. Uh, uh, it's it's right next to Tampa. Essentially, I mean, people outside of Tampa would just say it's still Tampa, uh, just like they almost you know say, oh, this is the ta- you know Tampa Bay Rays, even though they're in St. Petersburg. It's a little different than that St. Petersburg is much bigger than Ybor City, but it's it's just a section of Tampa right next door, yeah. and it's on the bay. They're looking at a waterfront property potentially there and i think if they were to ever agree on that i think that would keep the raise there for a long time but i think the moral of the story is you, you it's facilities and if you don't get them unlike in college you can't just move the university yeah. auburn not getting the facilities they want for a couple years in football you can't just move the university um you can move these franchises though and i think that's what that ultimately moves most of them um I think that's what makes a couple of the moves more painful. Like, I don't think there was, to my recollection, I was younger, maybe too young then, but I don't recall there being a serious Seattle supersonic problem in their move. And I don't recall there being a serious St. Louis Ram facility problem. That was just Stan Kroenke wanted to have a team in Los Angeles. The Rams certainly had more right to be there than the Chargers. They used to be the Los Angeles Rams. Um but, but yeah, I, I don't even remember how we started talking about this. I, I think it was Las Vegas related. <laughs> yeah. But it's something we don't talk about a lot because we're, we're college-based, and that's fine. But it is a whole different animal because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. And I, I've told you guys off-air about it's, it's funny that the NBA owners really are irritated with the Warriors because they had a record uh, luxury tax this past year. Well, Joe Lacob's like the 25th most valuable owner in the NBA. All you people could spend more than him <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah. But the reason Lacob can do it 
is they built Chase Center. They got out of Oakland, which was fine. Everyone loved Oracle. It was the loudest stadium in the, or loudest arena in the NBA. But they got out of Oakland to San Francisco for the sole purpose of making Chase Center this beautifully multiplex environment where we can host all sorts of events and concerts yeah. and make money in other avenues than just the Golden State Warriors. And that's how Lakeup has kind of been able to do this huge luxury taxing. He might not be able to do it forever, and that's getting into a whole other can of worms. But for now, Chase Center has been so profitable. That's kind of why these owners want to do and get a new stadium. My whole thing is just... I think they use it as a scapegoat and they don't actually try to do it in their current location sometimes. Like, I think it would have been perfectly fine to get a new stadium in San Diego ultimately and the team would have been supported. Yeah. You just didn't want to try hard enough and you wanted the bright lights of Los Angeles. Yeah. And the other, like, you know, who's going to say no to living in LA? You know, I understand San Diego is its own thing, but. You know, LA is such a rabid sports city. If you can get that city to latch on to you, there's, there's a lot to be done there. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited that Las Vegas or that the Raiders are in Las Vegas. I think it is sad for Oakland, but I, I'm Las Vegas does kind of have an appeal, and I'm also just very impressed that a city that's known for tourism has supported its teams, really all of them, incredibly well so far. And yeah. I, I would love to see the numbers, and I don't think this will ever be pulled. And this is my last thing. I need to shut up and take a break. <laughs> but I would love to see if you just pulled people coming into the stadium for the Raiders and, and the Gold Knights. Do you live in Nevada? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you live how, in how the state? That that, yeah. Are you actually – I don't even want to ask a question. Are you actually a Raiders fan? Because there's Raiders fans all over the place. It's a big brand. We love Ricky, who, who chimes in on Twitter from time to time. He's a Raiders fan. So it's not even necessarily that. It's just like, did you have to travel more than a certain amount of time to yeah. get to this game? Yes or no? And yeah. I bet you the Las Vegas teams would lead the league in those scenarios. That's uh, You're talking about facilities. The the Raiders have really invested in, in their new facilities. I think they have one of the coolest-looking stadiums Allegiant, yeah. in the NFL. Uh, my only problem with it is that like it has a roof, but there are no walls. So when there's bad weather, they still have to go in the weather delays. It's very yeah. weird. It's yeah. very weird to put a roof on it and then just be like, this doesn't do anything. <laughs> it keeps the field dry, but nothing else. That is interesting. I think there'll come a day. It'll be like the year will be 2034. They'll and they'll like break fix up that. the outside. Yeah. And everyone will be like, hey, something that should have been done a decade ago. Yeah. Nice. Why, did, why, didn't we, why didn't we start with this? <laughs> yeah. Finally righted or wrong. Took long enough. But anyway, <laughs> it is a beautiful facility, right? And it's going to host a lot of big events here yeah. over the coming years. All right. That was not baseball. Uh, that was other things. Uh, we like to do that on the show uh, for sure. A little bit later, in hour number three, we will talk more Auburn football. Talk more TJ Finley. Also give some Auburn superlatives. When we come back, we will hit up on the Atlanta Braves for just a few minutes for the end of hour number two. Stick around for that. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. 
I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I like that this song is leading us back here because... We kind of just did a form of when you were young, when all these other organizations were in different places <laughs> when you were young. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It seems fitting to wrap up a conversation about where everyone moved to here because of the money. Anyway, I want to go and, and talk a little Atlanta Braves here, about five minutes left here in hour number two. Again, on the other side of this hour, in hour number three, we'll recap the T.J. Finley situation, not as bad as it first appeared. We'll also give you a few Auburn superlatives this season, a few things, a few thoughts on some different topics with Auburn football, so you don't want to miss that. But again, we'll wrap up this hour with some Braves. Trade deadline just happened uh, even more consequentially. Five games in the next four days with the New York Mets. The Mets lead the Braves by three and a half games. I've been very adamant Braves need to win this series. Um, remember, the two-game swings here. So if you win three out of five, then it would be a two-and-a-half-game margin. If you win two out of five into the Braves, it would be a four-and-a-half-game margin. You win one out of five, it's six-and-a-half. It's a you, bad day. You, win, you lose all five, you're down eight-and-a-half. If you win all five, you lead uh, by a game-and-a-half. You win four out of five, you're down a half game. All right, that's math. That's how it works. Brant, let's say, I mean, you can predict what's going to happen, but also I'm very, like I said, I've been in the camp of urgently needing to win three out of five here. At what point do you worry about them not winning the division? Like what what number out of five gets, is it one? Is it two? Is it zero? I what, think, what begins the worry? I think at this point in the season, anytime you get down by more than five games, I, I think that's when it becomes a little trickier. Um, especially because the Braves don't have the best record against the Mets this season. It, it, to to capture another NL East crown, you're going to have to beat the Mets straight up, uh, whether it be in this this series and this the season series as a whole. You're going to have to win games against the Mets, and I think with what about 50 games, 55 games left, something like that. 58 for Atlanta. Other teams might have 56. 55, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but with with a little less than 60 games left at this point in the season, 10 and a half games back earlier in the season was not as big a deal because you had two-thirds of the season to play. You're at the point now where if you get more than five and a half, it starts to feel like they are like the Mets are the clear favorite. But I, I'm with you. I think the Braves have to win this series. Um, at least take three out of five and keep it close. If you can take more than that, then, then fantastic. But you're going to need some big performances. You're going to need some clutch plays. Uh, from your best players, and, and I think that includes Ronald Acuna Jr., who's been slumping for a while now. Uh, he needs to break this because when he's on, he's one of the best young players in Major League Baseball. But he's hitting about 250 this season. I'll be honest; I don't remember the last time I saw him get a base hit. Honestly, it's been it's been kind of brutal to watch because you know he's as frustrated as anybody. And I think with with the way that the Braves are going, they need him to get hot. Uh, here as we wind down the season, and they they need to stay within five games of the Mets. I, I'm with you. I think two out of five they can they take on some water, but they can survive it. They'd be down four and a half. But 
they win one out of five, and that drops them to six and a half back. Uh, I don't know. It's it, time to start thinking about the wild card. That, that, starts, that starts to get into where you need a lot. You need them to help you out and really start playing. Yes. You can't just simply rattle off, you know, 30 and 20 or 32 and 20 and just all of a sudden you win the division. It's like they're not going to play below 500 baseball. They, they're, you're going to have to get some help from them. To your point, Acuna, after an over yesterday, down to 257, eight home runs, 24 RBS. I'm far more worried about the power, though. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So his career, he's 277. He's never hit 300. His rookie year, he hit 293, and that was in 111 games. The year that he played in its entirety, 2019, he hit 280. 2020, the shortened season, he did play uh, essentially every game, almost every game. He hit 250. He hit 283 before the injury last year. He hit 257 this year. The issue is the power for me because eight home runs in now 69 games. For reference, last year in 82 games, that's half a season, he hit 24. Yeah. So let's say he hits two more in the next 13. That's 10 home runs in the same amount of time that he hit 24 last year. Uh, I'll give you another one. So in the shortened 2020 season in 46 games, he's, that's 23 less games. He hit 14 home runs. Again, he's hit 8 and 69. So if it continues on this pace, if he were to play a full season, now he won't end up playing all 162, obviously, this year because he missed the first month and a half. But if you were to play 162 on this pace, that leaves you to about 18 home runs. That's not Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, he's better than that. So that's what worries me. And look, he was never going to be as strong coming off the knee injury, but it is just a little alarming. You hoped it. I would have rather it been an average dip and you hit 250, but you hit 35 home runs. But to have the average dip and the huge home run dip, man, I, I'm I'm fairly concerned. Uh, Chip jokingly in his ever optimistic tone, Brooks was telling us that if this guy gets it going, watch out. And that is true. If Acuna yeah. gets it going, watch if, out. If Ronald gets hot, the rest of the Braves are playing pretty well right now. I mean, no one is on fire other than Austin Riley, who is uh, on another planet right now. But it, with looking at Ronald Acuna Jr., if he gets going, man, that's dangerous. So, indeed, we'll look out for Ronald here in the second half. Hopefully he can have a big series in New York. The Braves really need a series victory over these next four days. Five games in Queens starting tonight. That's out of time for hour number two. Hour number three will update you on the T.J. Finley situation. It's not bad, but we do have a statement from the Auburn Police Department that we'll read you. To start off hour number three, also get into some Auburn football superlatives. With Brant Daughtry, I'm Ryan Lavoy. We'll be right back. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
Third and final hour of Sports Call here on this Thursday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson. I'm joined by Brant Daughtry today. We've had a fun show talking a little bit of everything thus far. We've talked uh, MLB. We've talked uh, some relocation from franchises. <laughs> we've talked uh, We've talked NFL as the Hall of, a Hall of Fame game gets set for tonight. We've also talked a little Auburn in hour number one, and that's what we're going to return to here in hour number three. And of course, the updates on T.J. Finley. Again, for those just tuning in or might have missed it earlier, uh, T.J. Finley was arrested earlier this morning. He was attempting to elude, or he did elude, uh, officers after a, a stop for a, uh, a situation where he did not wear a helmet on a moped. A very uh, simple situation, not a very... Uh, you know, not a very rough situation at all. But uh, then he turned himself in to Auburn police. He was then uh, booked and then uh, met met uh, met bail, and he's out with the team. Brian Harson said in a, in a press conference about an hour and a half ago that he will uh, practice tomorrow. Uh, they are aware of the situation, but he's he's with the team. He'll practice tomorrow. So kind of nothing to see there. A statement was issued by the Auburn Police Department. This is new about 15 minutes ago. And here's what the Auburn Police Department had to say. On August 4, 2022, Auburn Police arrested Tyler Jamal Finley, age 20, of Auburn after he turned himself in for a misdemeanor warrant for attempting to elude a police officer. The arrest stems from Auburn Police attempting to perform traffic stops of a male operating a motorcycle on two separate occasions near the area of Heisman Drive and South Donahue Drive on July 26, 2022. The male, who was not wearing a helmet, fled from police and committed several other traffic offenses in the process. Officers terminated the pursuit on both occasions as a matter of safety. Tyler Jamal Finley was identified as the person operating the motorcycle and an arrest warrant was obtained. On August 4, 2022, Finley turned himself in and was arrested in obedience to the warrant at the Lee County Jail. He was also issued traffic citations. Finley was booked in and made eligible for a $3,000 Bonds. So, after further reporting, not a moped, motorcycle, and uh, I don't really know the complete differences there. I mean, there's there's some, um, and there's some between moped and scooter. They're all, it's all, they're something. all in the same family of yeah. not closed-in vehicles right. with four wheels. Probably should wear a helmet, uh, whether or not it's right. you know legal. It's probably just safer. And so those, some of those offenses were made back on July 26th. Uh, is also the the, the note there. Uh, But again, turning himself in today, uh, $3,000 bond, met and out, and that's the extent of it. We talked a little bit about it in hour number one, also with retired Ward Am Steve. And really just, I mean, again, we're never trying to say, hey, go do something to get arrested. Yeah, fight the power. Uh, At the same time, there are... A multitude of things worse than this. There would not have been an arrest if there was not the eluding and police part of yeah. it. It was just simply some traffic violations, which you, me, your brother, your mother you, have all committed always, at some point. Do you always obey the speed limit? Right. Like, do you do you just drive <laughs> thirty miles an hour? Right. Going in, going into downtown. I don't. And so, uh, really, the issue here was just the fleeing part of it, but. To his credit, he turned himself in. And again, 
Uh, Brian Harson said, we have four quarterbacks competing for the job, by the way. Holy Gurner's alive! Still in the race, technically. Uh, but all, yeah, nope. four, all four quarterbacks um, expected to get reps at practice. TJ Finley would be a part of it. So, Brian, I mean, again, you, you see the headline, you go, oh, and then you read it, and you're a little underwhelmed, and that's a good thing at yeah. the end of the day. I, I was uh, out at lunch. I was in the line at Chick-fil-A when I saw that headline, and I thought, well, this is about to be an interesting show. Uh, and then, you know, more details came out. And it, it, like we said, it just a minor traffic violation would have been nothing if Finley just, you know, sat and, and you know, let the cop walk up to him, whatever. Uh, it, dumb, dumb to do, certainly is not a world-ending thing, certainly is not a, a major story. Uh, and... You know, TJ, TJ is going to be fine. He's going to he's like we said, he's out of jail, posted the bond uh, and, you know, he'll he'll compete to be Auburn starting quarterback soon. This is all getting left in the rearview mirror. So with that, uh, we will kind of move on a little bit again. If you want to give us a call on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341, locally toll free, one eight nine tiger nine. If you want to give your thoughts or have any questions about the matter, but seems pretty wrapped up now that we got a statement from the police. Uh, again, pertains to a motorcycle. Again, it was indeed that particular instance not wearing the helmet, which is what, uh, it, which was what was originally for the pullover. And then it looks like some other citations happened because I think, in the process of fleeing, you know, there might have been a red light run or yeah. or something. Um, and then Auburn police just simply did not chase. Um, they felt, I guess, they felt if uh, it would ind- if it was if it was dangerous not to wear a helmet in the first place, we're not going to try and chase you while not wearing a helmet because then it could be something far worse. It right. was not a big issue here. We wanted you to be safe at the end of the day. So that's what it amounts to. Um. With that, want to continue talking Auburn. Don't worry, we're not going back to how many teams should be in Las Vegas. <laughs> want to talk some Auburn superlatives. We were going to do a bigger version of this today before the news broke, uh, where we looked at really all of college football. And we had like twelve topics lined up, but we want to save that for a couple more weeks down the lo- down the line. Um, last year we did the show. I looked it back. Looked looked it up it was august 27th so we were like a week away at that point i think i realized we're just being a little antsy we need football back (laughs) uh so we'll we'll talk some auburn though here with some of the questions that people have and some things kind of this is a way of making predictions without making like the win-loss predictions that everyone's like well how many wins you got well i don't know there's a ceiling and a floor yeah (laughs) uh ask me on what day and i'll give you a different number but uh, have a few superlatives here for Auburn football that we'll discuss. I've got three on the sheet. I might think of a fourth while we're doing this. But the first one is this, and it's simply what Auburn player, in your opinion, has the most to prove this season? You can take this however you mean. You think it's on the field or you think it's winning a job or that sort of thing. Whatever you might think, Auburn player with the most to prove this season. I think it's interesting because I wouldn't have said this a couple of months ago, but I'm going to go with Tank Bigsby. Um, I think it is well known throughout college football, especially at Auburn, that he is the most talented player on the team. Um, but I think he wants to prove that he is not just talented, but that he can win games for Auburn. He, he wants to come in here and win games. He wants to get massive numbers, not just rip off two or three runs in a game, but help Auburn to win games and become a early-round draft pick. I think if he went to the NFL right now, he's probably a fourth-round guy. He wants to be no later than second, uh, and I think he's got the talent level to do that. Um, so while it's weird to say that the player with the most to prove is the one that is unanimously voted on as the best, 
Uh, but I, I still think that Tank Bigsby has a lot that he wants to prove to himself and to others. I, no, I like that, Brant, because I, I didn't think about that. But, you know, we've we fielded calls over the last 12 months. Why hasn't Tank done better? Why hasn't yeah. he done this? And uh, as a guy that came into last year, I mean, there was some dark horse Heisman hype around him. And this is the hype of being one of the most talented running backs at a very talent-rich university that the running back position has ever seen. Like, I get it. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's it's almost not okay for him to be good. Like, people expect yeah. him to be great. And I get that. That's, that's a good point there. Um, mine is someone that's not – too different, actually. Um, there's there's guys, obviously, you know, technically, the, whoever's the quarterback will have a lot to prove. I mean, I think if yes. someone like Calzada and Finley, when you transfer from other SEC programs, like you're trying to pull, prove not only to your own university, but to that university that it was a mistake not to put their full trust in that guy. I get that. There's also guys on defense that want to prove a lot when they step up. But I'm looking at Owen Papo mm. because this is a guy that, obviously a huge recruit for Auburn. I mean, a five-star guy, uh, one of those dudes, you know, that, that is going to anchor a defense. And to a degree, he was doing that his first two years. And then last year, he had the injury problem. And it what looked like to be a couple-of-week problem became essentially a year-ending problem. And we kind of talked about how good Zacoby McLean and Chandler Wooten had been in his absence. We kind of already kind of look at the next guys like Wesley Steiner, and we look at these guys that could be the next great linebacker, but there's still a linebacker on this team that is good and capable of really good things that should be able to lead this group, and that's Owen Papa. So I think he has a lot to prove because he also has an NFL draft stock to try and regain and a reputation to regain as one of the better linebackers in the SEC. So I think we're we're both talking veterans here. It's not a freshman. It's not a transfer guy. Guys that we know are capable of great things here. Yeah, I guess if we were going to go with a guy who has had expectations thrust upon them that they have not met at any level yet – uh, you could definitely say a wide receiver. I think uh, Javarius Johnson is a guy that's going to get a lot of reps at wide receiver this year, and I, I think he's going to have a really big season. Um, I, I really like a lot of the younger receivers that Auburn has. I think if you were to ask me what position group has the most to prove, I'd say wide receiver because I think there's a lot of unproven guys there. I think Shedrick Jackson is really the only known commodity uh, that Auburn has at that wide receiver room, and I think everybody else has a chance to really step up. We'll do one more superlative until uh, before the next break, then we'll come back with a couple more. This next one is also going to be very player-related. Most exciting Auburn position group to watch. Position group as a whole. This is a good one because I I think you you can say running backs, and I absolutely understand. I'm going to go with defensive line. I think the Auburn defensive line has a chance to be absolutely nasty this year, and I'm including edges in that. Got Derek Hall, Eculiota, um, Joko Willis when he comes on, and Dylan Brooks, the kid who, by the way, is another kid who has a lot to prove because of high expectations coming out of high school. Uh, I think this defensive line has a chance to be very, very good. Uh, I think they are violent. I think they've got really good coaching. I think they're an incredibly talented and star-laden group. Uh, and I think that with all they're going to become, if if Auburn's defense is going to be as good as it can be, uh, you've got linebackers coming in. Who where, whoever starts next to Owen Papo is going to be a guy with not a ton of experience. Whether it's Cam Riley or Wes Steiner, those two seem to be the guys getting the most hype behind them. 
they're going to have to have good defensive line play in front of them to kind of slow the game down for them. Uh, and I think that if Auburn's defense can be as good as we all think it can be, it starts up front. So I figured you'd go there because if you <laughs> didn't, I was going to go there. Right. Uh, but this is radio, and so we want to give you more to talk about. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I, I think defensive line, I think it's going to be so vital, and they're going to need to get a lot of pressure up there, and I think they will. I'm going to go same side of the ball, though. I'm just going all deep for a guy that loves offense. So we got to have defense today. I'm going the DBs because this – Grouping has produced some NFL-caliber defensive backs the last few years, especially at the corner position. You think of Roger McCreary, a guy we just talked to on the show the other week. You think of Noah Minogany going in the end of the first round the year before that. You think of the Bucks guys, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. Uh, Smoke Monday was not drafted, but he was having a really good camp for the Saints until he just sustained a, a, an injury. Uh, and, and he was been a fixture of the backfield. You th- even think of a guy that didn't really make the pros but was here multiple years after transferring from Georgia, Trey Matthews in that secondary. Auburn's had some really good secondary players. I mean, heck, they've had really good defenses overall. It's not just been up front. They've been good everywhere. And so now we've got guys that are a little less proven. Um, guys that are, are have played because Auburn's done a pretty good job of rotating DBs. But when you talk to people, the expectations for a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett yeah. are high. Yes. Very high. Uh, again, probably to that standard of being first, second, third round pick uh, material. And then also Jalen Simpson, who's now in his third year with the program, that's going to get a lot of playing time. A guy that we were really excited about, even though he don't he was coming over after just one year at the, the league's worst school, Really excited last year for Donovan Kaufman to get in the fold, and, and he played some, but he was not a, a key right. contributor. Well, now he's going to have the opportunity to be a key contributor. So really, we're, we're just kind of saying, I think you know it's not usually the most exciting position to watch. The DBs don't necessarily get a lot of you know playmaking moments. You can't really blow people up over the middle. So really, the big playmakers are are guys that get four or five, six interceptions yeah. in a year, and that's not a lot of plays over the totality of the year. But I think it's going to be really exciting to watch because Auburn has just been so consistent in developing one to two really good DBs every every year, and they've done it for years now. And uh, I, I think that they've got the potential to do that again, and that's what could really tie this defense together. Absolutely. I think the secondary has a lot of pieces that are known to be really good like Nehemiah Pritchett I think Jalen Simpson can take a step forward this year Uh, he had some really good moments over the last season Uh, and I think you've got a lot of super young talented guys Uh, one guy that I want to talk about that's back there is uh, Caleb Wooden Colby Wooden's younger brother Um, he signed as like a, a high three star not a whole lot of expectation but over the spring you heard a ton of noise about how good he was as a safety uh, and you just hear more and more people talking a lot about Caleb Wooden and and guys, young guys on that back end that I think are going to get a lot of rotational playing time this year. So I'm, I'm with you. I think Auburn's secondary has a chance to be very good. Noted we'd said not much offense in that segment. You did throw out Tank Bigsby <laughs> about something to prove, but noted, guys. There's... It's no secret. Offense need more of it There's this a question. Year. It's a question mark. There's question marks up and down. We're going to take our first break of hour number three. We'll have two more got one more on the page i'll come up with another one that brand does not know about okay right now but we'll have two more auburn football superlatives on the other side of this timeout
of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Doffrey with you here on this Thursday afternoon doing some Auburn football superlatives. Just did the player with the most approved this season. Brant went with Tank Bigsby. I went with Owen Papo. And then we had most exciting position group for Auburn this year to watch. And Brant with, went with the defensive line, which I think is the answer. I went contrarian. I went uh, defensive backs. So basically both sides or kind of the both extremes of the Auburn defense, both up front and in the back end there. So we've got a couple more superlatives now, and I'll pose uh, this one to you. This is the one we already had planned, and then we'll do the one that was just cooked up. All right, so depending on your view of Auburn this year, I'm going to set this up a little bit more. Uh, ceilings and floors are everywhere. It's ceilings up to nine or ten wins, depending on who you ask. Floors all the way down six to five wins, uh, depending on who you ask. All right, outside, I think everyone agrees, three non-conference games that are not named Penn State and Missouri are locks for Auburn. Now, Which is every- hilarious to think about <laughs> Missouri being an absolute win. Uh and now, and so, but most people tell you, like, like when they actually predict Auburn season, they won't say four and eight or, or even five and seven. They'll still say six or seven wins, I think is the common answer, maybe eight. But what game are you most convinced? So, I don't, regardless of how many wins you got Auburn having, outside of those three non conference games in Missouri, what game are you most convinced Auburn will win this year? Ryan, I'm going to go with Mississippi State. And I, I think. Yes, you do have to play them uh, in Starkville this year, but Auburn is a significantly more talented team than Mississippi State. You should have beaten them last year. It took a historic collapse for Mississippi State to win that game, and I, I maintain Mississippi State did not win that game. Auburn lost it, uh, and I think the type of person that Brian Harson is, I think that game drives him nuts. I think he thinks about that game a lot, thinking that there's no reason that they should have lost that game. That game should have been over by the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I think a lot of that defensive collapse uh, was the responsibility of Derek Mason. I think that was the beginning of the end of Derek Mason's tenure at Auburn. Uh, and I think with uh, with everything everything I've listed, I think Auburn handles Mississippi State this year. I think Mike Leach is a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. Uh, and like I said, the talent gap is there. I think Auburn takes advantage of it this year. So I, I went down the line. My thought process was, okay, 
I subscribe to roughly a nine win ceiling and I subscribe to all the way down to a five win floor. That's pretty much my, because my reasoning is like, okay, you could be technical and say the ceiling could be 10 and throw Texas A&M in there is right. fathomable. But then I would also tell to that person, you need to also say then four should be the floor because, well, there's not another block other than the four. Yeah. I mean, common sense says one of them will go Auburn's way, just like common sense would say almost in the in the ceiling, one of them won't go Auburn's way. Right. And so really five and seven to nine and three should probably be the range. So I, I didn't really consider A&M. And so the other teams I, I considered, um, I, obviously Alabama and Georgia were not, is I considered Mississippi State. I considered Ole Miss. I did not really consider Penn State. Um, not that they can't. It's in the, it's in the collection. Yeah. But I think Penn State's a really good football team. Um, I think they're not necessarily better than all these other teams, but I think that they are very experienced. They've already proven it on the field once. Uh, going to Jordan Harry is different. I give you that. But it's just not one I'm willing to die on a hill for. Right. Um, I thought about Arkansas. I thought long and hard about Arkansas because Auburn went to Fayetteville and won that game last year, and they looked pretty damn good in doing it. It was not – It was not. That was not a Bo Nix running around for an hour trying to <laughs> make the play that ultimately would help win the game later. And then Jarquez Gunner, big run against LSU, of course. But it, it just felt like they were in control of that game. So I strongly considered Arkansas. However, though none of the teams I've just named are my answer. My answer is LSU. Ooh, and really? it has to do with the timing of the year. Auburn will not be very beat up at that point. They will have played Penn State, but I think it's actually a good thing because Auburn will have gone from playing two teams that don't factor in at all. Mercer and San Jose State are not SEC competition. They won't have a true kind of feel to their team yet. But once you played one big quality team like Penn State, then you will have a feel to your team, and then you will know what's really going right and what really needs to be corrected. And so LSU lines up pretty perfectly for me because you have gotten your not to, not to totally belittle them, but your warm up games. You've then hopefully righted that ship against Missouri, a team everyone feels great about, and then the last of your homestand, you've got a rival, a team that you typically perform well against at home. Now, for all the struggles on the road for twenty plus years. You usually felt pretty good at home. 2014, Auburn ate their lunch. Yeah. 2016, Les Miles got fired because of the game. 2018 was a weird loss. Joe Burrow, first year at LSU. Uh, that, that one was hurt. The, the last second field goal, wasn't it? Yep, that, that one hurt. Uh, 2020, Auburn, I can't remember. Uh, no, they, they destroyed them. The T, uh, yep, T.J. Finley started Finley, yeah. for LSU, yep. and Auburn ate their lunch again. So Auburn has done well against LSU at home. I think that combination, I think LSU's probably, I think LSU will be better every game this year. I think they'll be better in game five, which is that game, than they'll be in game two. I think they'll be better in game nine than they'll be in game five, and I think they'll be good and much better when they play A&M at the end of the year than they will be when they play Auburn in game five. So I'm going LSU, again, to recap, because I think it's a team Auburn has proven they can beat with Brian Harson. 
it's a team that is going to be looking for identity, especially in the first half of the season with a new head coach that's vastly different than what they had. And I think Auburn will understand what it is and, and will not be beaten down by the arduous SEC schedule just yet. Sure, they could still absolutely go out and, and beat Arkansas like they did last year. And Mississippi State, to your point, I mean, they were they were drubbing them until Bo Nix got hurt. 28-3 is no light score. I think those things are very possible. Uh, even Ole Miss. Auburn beat a really damn good Ole Miss team last yeah. year. They lost. Uh, the, Ole Miss was in the top ten. They lost twice in the regular season. It was to the state of Alabama, and that was it. <laughs> um, and and so, could they go to Oxford? Yeah, maybe. Again, that's all a part of the ceiling and floor discussion. But the yes. th- game I'm most convinced they'll win is that LSU game at home. That's interesting to me because I, I think when Auburn is a when Auburn has been able to beat LSU in the rec- in the recent past, it's been because of better coaching. Because um, I, I don't think Auburn is more talented than LSU. I don't think Auburn is more talented than LSU right now. Uh, and I do think that Brian Kelly is a better coach than Ed Orgeron. But but I'm with you. I, I still think that Auburn is 5-0 and going into Athens. I, and I'm with, But it's interesting because while I think Auburn is 5-0, and I feel more confident about those that Mississippi State game later in the season than I do uh, Penn State or LSU, even though I think Auburn takes those games right now. All right. So it's, that It's a right. weird feeling because... I, like I said, I think Auburn is 5-0 and going into Athens. Um, and that'll be hyped up as two teams that most likely will be undefeated going at each other. And they're going to say, well, Auburn has beaten a good Penn State team. They've beaten a, a rising LSU team. Uh, and Georgia is coming off a national championship. So that'll be hyped as a big game. Even And I think Auburn will lose that game pretty bad. Um, but I, I just know that if Auburn is 5-0 and going into Athens, I'm going to convince myself there's a way Auburn wins that game. <laughs> Look, again, that's a part of the fascinating discussions. And uh, Tom talks about a lot of, on this show how important those first five are, especially the Penn State and LSU game. And yeah. everyone understands that. I just think I, – I, and I'm not necessarily guaranteed the 5-0 because, like I said, Penn State makes me nervous because it's, again, the first legit game you played. But that's also why I love the confidence of the LSU game because you then have played a couple legit games. You're still at home. LSU should still be figuring things out. And, uh, look – Again, there's a lot of possibilities for Auburn this year. There, there will be a superlative that we will talk about, again, as we do every year with teams with the widest range of possibilities, and Auburn perennially is on that list, and they are again this year. All right, one more Auburn superlative. We cooked this up during the commercial break, and it's along these same lines. We talked about more of the players in the previous segment. We're talking more about these teams as a whole, the schedule. So this one is pretty simple. Outside of Alabama and Georgia, because obviously, if you're an Auburn fan, you want to win those games. Outside of those two arch rivals, what game do you want Auburn to win the most this year? Just you personally, with not really knowing the stakes on the line, what game do you want to see Auburn pedal their opponent the most? It's interesting. I have two picks for this one. I'm going to go in one direction, though. I want to see Auburn beat Texas A&M. I I think with Texas A&M, you've reached... Uh, they they are kind of the new darling. They've got these you know top a couple of top ten recruiting classes in a row. Jimbo Fisher has made a ton of noise this off season, so there is a lot of a lot of eyes and a lot of spotlights on uh, on what Texas A and M does this year. So if you can bring uh, it, that game's in Auburn this year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so if Texas A and M comes into Auburn and Auburn wins that game, I'm remembering now watching that game uh, in at Kyle Field last year. Um, 
after what happened last year, uh, which was kind of a, a slow choke out of a, a team that wasn't as good. But if you can execute better and the offense can get anything done at all, uh, I think Auburn has a – I'm not going to say that Auburn has a good chance. I think Auburn does drop that game. Um, in my my ceiling of 9-3, and three, I think that Texas A&M is one of those teams that – you know, it, it would take – I'm not going to say a miracle, but it would take a lot. It would take a lot of luck to beat Texas A&M uh, just based on what you've done or just, you know, a, a marked improvement over what we saw last year. But it, beating Texas A&M uh, would, would – uh, if you can beat Texas A&M, you can beat most of the other teams on your schedule for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, part of the reason I didn't want to do the full scope of these superlatives yet is because some of the things we talk about are kind of relative to the preseason perception. Yes. Uh, like overrated, underrated teams. And, of course, we don't have an official top 25. It's probably just a matter of days. Um, but, again, I would think – so spitballing here, A&M is going to come out preseason number six-ish, yeah. seven, I'd five, say, I'd somewhere I'd say just there. outside the top five. So they're going to come in in the top ten. And, uh, again, that's going to be you know a very high ranking. That's going to be a, a team that might be on 11-1, don't win the division, but playoff watch if it's you know, the right, right situation, that sort of thing. For – for good radio, I did the, I did this earlier, and I, I went with a difference, even though my real answer was defensive line. I went defense backs. Right. But this is like a personal exercise that you can't really just like do good radio <laughs> for. It is Texas A&M for me as well. I'll give you the other two I considered. I considered Arkansas. I quickly got off that because I just love Sam Pittman so much. There's never been a better <laughs> fit for a program than Sam Pittman. Uh, I want that man to exceed, uh, succeed in all. 11 games a year to be quite honest with you he's just yeah. an awesome dude he's great um and so but the part of me that wanted to beat arkansas was just because auburn's had tremendous success against arkansas the last decade and it just it was like a personal vendetta for gus to just go whoop arkansas <laughs> um and, and he did it all but one year and, and so it just feels like tradition just to go ahead and just crush arkansas but but i i they're too likable for me i, I can't do that uh the other consideration was penn state and look, the fans got into it with Penn State fans and vice versa last year. That's fans. It happens all the time. It is likable as I just said Arkansas is. If Arkansas beats Auburn, no Auburn fan will be their, able to tolerate an Arkansas their fan. Fa- their fan base is chronically online. If you <laughs> if you are not familiar with Arkansas Twitter, uh, they are a, a, just a different level of annoying. So I, so like again, not as like, bad as Kentucky. Just but. about everybody. And I've been to several SEC road venues. I can tell you. At the very minimum, every student section sucks. They will make you mad. It's okay. It is a part of it. People seem to dislike LSU fans. I actually felt LSU fans to be quite enjoyable when I went down there. We went down there as fans in... 2017 and so if you remember that game right off the top of your head that's the one Auburn should have won should have ended the streak in Baton Rouge blew that three score lead and I I remember we were sitting at the very top of Tiger Stadium and also I've never been more intimidated in my life when the sun started to go down and LSU had just taken the lead and the PA announcer comes on and says it's now Saturday night in Death Valley I think I peed a little uh, to be (laughs) quite honest with you um but uh, I remember walking down the stairs after Auburn lost, and a couple of guys greeted us uh, at the base of the stairs and said, that's a tough one, but you guys be safe going to Auburn. You played good. Yeah. 
Like, again, normal people. Talk to them. There's always hoodlums. Anyway, I've gotten on, on this long trail. There's always tough fans. So I didn't make that reason enough to be like, oh, I got to beat Penn State this year just because of the fans. Um, but it is Texas A&M for me, especially if Zach Calzada is the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Because one of the most hyped up things about Jimbo Fisher is his quarterback development. And it would be utterly hilarious if Zach Calzada plays out of his mind against Texas A&M and then beats them. And look, Jimbo does not, like, this is not deeper than this. Jimbo was asked at media days uh, by someone from Auburn, I forget who, what he what Auburn was getting in Calzada. And he had the most wonderful things to say about him and said, we hate to lose him. Okay, so look, there's no like he hates Calzada. Go right. stick it to him here. But just whenever you have it, it's new a new day, and you have these cross transfers of uh, in the same conference. Remember, there was a time where you could not transfer inside the SEC. Like you, you, you would be yelled at. You couldn't do it. it was not a, you're not able to. And now we're just swapping quarterbacks. Like you know, if Orjon was there, is he going to go hug Max Johnson and like pick him up in the middle of Kyle Field? <laughs> be like you know go more you know like like there's a weird things are going on now with player well movement but i would like calzada to play infinitely well against a&m and also you know just the part of it is that's probably the next best team auburn will play this year just uh, besides obviously the arch rivals that would be a hell of a win that'd be a nice statement in the back half of the schedule to be beating an a&m team that in theory will be highly ranked when they play so to me the answer is also texas a&m yeah, I, my my second place team was going to be Mississippi State for the for the same reasons that I listed that I think Brian Harson's going to to want to beat them this year is that he, Auburn is better than them. Auburn should not have lost that game last season, uh, and, and the way that all that went down with Bo Nix getting hurt and you know again I, I've said it a few times if with better quarterback play I think you win the Iron Bowl I think you win against South Carolina as well and you know the bowl game whatever bowl games are bowl games. Um, so I, I think the Mississippi State game, even though the Texas A&M game the week prior was not great, I think Mississippi State is where it truly all fell apart. So I, I would love for Auburn to get some revenge there uh, from a fan perspective. I, that one I, I could have considered more, and it has nothing to do with anything relevant. It is just because I hate listening to that godforsaken cowbell. Yeah. It is yeah. so loud. <laughs> and good for them for thinking outside the box and kind of leaning into it and yeah. making it a tougher environment. Yeah, when, when you have like a 50,000 seat right. stadium, but you got to do something different. Good grief. It, it, and, and it's one of the few places, for those that don't know, in, in press boxes, it's becoming increasingly fashionable to close off the press box. You, really? you, have op- you have windows that either are elected not to open or just purely do not open. But some of the older press boxes they still open out and at Mississippi State it's one of the handful in the league that that open out and they kept it open for the game so we were at the 2018 uh, you know Auburn game where Nick Fitzgerald had the ball for an hour and a half and Auburn had for five minutes on time of possession and so listening listening to that open air and having that for three and a half hours 
it's just an unforgettably bad experience. I do not recommend it. So, look, Mississippi State people are fine. They're not any worse or any better than anyone else. Right. Uh, Mike Leach is fine. I think he's hilarious. I don't know if he'll have a good third year at Mississippi State or not. It has nothing to do with anything there. It's not even despite the 28-3 comeback. It is just simply, I like. I would also strongly suggest winning that game just because I don't want three and a half hours of listening to the cowbell celebrate and be very excited for the entirety of the game. So those are our thoughts on most uh, convincing win or most uh, game we're most convinced that Auburn will win and game we want to see Auburn win the most. A little appetizer for what we'll do here and some t- over the course of some point in the next few weeks when we go over the totality of college football and the superlatives for the entire sport. Taking one final break for Sports Call today, the nightly TV guide, some final thoughts coming up after this. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Final segment of the Thursday show today. Ryan LeMoy, Brant Daughtry with you here. We've had a lot of fun today. We've uh, talked an array of different topics. Had some fun this hour with some Auburn football superlatives. Got a call during that break. I believe we missed it a little bit earlier uh, from Jeff from Columbus. And he wanted us to chime in real quickly as we got four or five minutes left uh, on on the Auburn tight end position group. And, Mm -hmm. and of course, that is another position group that figures to be uh, not many on the offensive side of the ball, but figures to be a strength for Auburn. Absolutely. I love Auburn's tight end position. I think John Samuel Schenker is the clear-cut number one coming back there. Uh, set program records uh, at the tight end position for uh, over the last season. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, also has changed his number from 47 to 25, which I think is a an interesting change, but I, I like missed it. that. I like. It. I saw Landon King change. We talked yeah. about that. I missed that. Yeah, and it, another guy. Since we're talking about tight ends, we have to talk about Landon King. Uh, was a tight end slash wide receiver last year. Auburn decided it needed more depth at the wide receiver spot, so now he is a full time wide receiver. Has devoted all of his time to that. So that's why he's. Uh, you know, he has changed his number to number fourteen, and he is going to be purely a. Uh, I guess a big slot guy. I'm not really sure what what all they're going to do with him, but I think you look at the other tight ends. Luke Deal is a monster blocker. I think he's the best true run blocker on Auburn's team, um, and, and I think you're going to see you're going to see a lot of two or three tight end sets out there uh, this year. Uh, that's something that Brian Harson loves to do is run run out of two two or three tight end sets and uh, run a little play action off of those wrinkles. And I think Luke Deal is going to be a big part of that. Tyler Fromm had a pretty good season last year as well, and I like him a lot. The the guy that you were, we were talking earlier about guys who have a lot to prove. I think Brandon Frazier can also be tossed up there because he has not played a whole lot, but he is a guy that, when he signed with Auburn, had a lot of hefty expectations. 
Uh, so I think he's another guy that you might see him split out wide to some of that big slot and uh, become a red zone target for Auburn. So I love Auburn's tight end room, uh, and I think that they, they have a chance to be really successful this year. And it's something, as you said, they'll probably lean on because kind of putting the pieces together, I mean, you, you've still got a wide receiver room that's very unproven. The need does not seem to be there to put three or four wide receivers on the field at one time right. too often at least. So when you've got, I, I believe, a, as you said, a, a clear number one in John Samuel Shaker, but you've got two or three guys that do different things right behind him that you can all make arguments for at some point being a number two tied in. Yeah. That's when you'll have situational football and when you'll see a mix of guys and probably why they'll go a lot of two tight end looks this year. For sure. You know, it's interesting because Auburn used John Samuel Schenker as a true fullback a lot last year. Like, get three yards behind the quarterback, get in a three-point stance, and blow up a linebacker. He did, he did that a ton last season. Uh, and I think Luke Deal is a guy who can really benefit from doing that because, like I said, he – just he's a road grader man I, I love watching him block people because he's just so good at it and I, I think you're going to see them work some of that true uh, fullback spot and I'm interested to see if they do start running pass patterns out of the true fullback spot and they see what see what those guys can do but yeah I think Auburn I again I think Georgia's tight end room is the best in the SEC um, I know Texas A&M I, is Jalen Weidermeyer still at A&M because I, I think he has it from a pass catching standpoint he's very good but I don't know if he's still there I don't think so. Okay, I do well, not think so. No, the jo- the Georgia tight ends. Yeah, Brock, Brock yeah. Bowers was and the Darnell best tight end in the country yeah. last year as a true freshman. Yep. So uh, he's going to hold on to that title. And Darnell Washington, like you said, was very very good. But Auburn is competing for second or third, and that's really where uh, you you can win a lot of football games doing that. Uh, we appreciate Jeff from Columbus for calling in for that question. Just about a minute of the show remaining, so it's time for the Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide for Thursday here. And we've got some good picks. Back to some more sports picks as we've got WNBA Phoenix Mercury, Connecticut Sun, 6 p.m. ESPN2. Tampa Bay Rays, Detroit Tigers, 6 p.m. on FS1. Of course, we talked about this earlier, the Atlanta Braves of the New York Mets, 610 on Valley Sports Southeast. That's the start of a big series there. One movie pick, Logan, at 640 on FXM. And then, of course, we talked about this a lot in hour number two, the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, not on Madden in real life, yeah, real life football, NFL preseason. I, that, I've made it. I've made it very well known my thoughts on preseason football. But as much as I dislike preseason football, it is kind of the beginning of the end of not football season, and I'm very excited for it to start. And that is seven o'clock on NBC. That'll do it for the nightly TV guide, and that will do it for the show today. Had a lot of fun. Talked a lot of Auburn. Talked a lot of NFL. As we're getting to that time of year, football 30 days away for Auburn. Of course, preseason NFL football starts tonight. Brent, had fun with you today. Appreciate you, sir. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to be here. Thank you for having me. For Brant Daughtry, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Of course, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. We'll be back with one more sports call for the week tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.